and there's almost nothing that you can really put in that makes it super exciting and without being exploitation that's why you have like caged heat and stuff like that (laughs) (laughs) welcome to sincast presented by cinema sins everybody welcome to the sincast this is chris atkinson from cinema sins joined as always by the voice of cinema sins jeremy scott hello eh? and from music video sins barrett share you guys sound gorgeous we do yeah. we have two out of three new mics yeah there's there was there was a third one but it, it uh it's a casualty of war <laughs> we should put a meme that said i wanted to help out with the sincast but i died yeah exactly <laughs> came with the extra capabilities let's say yeah. yes. that we that we don't need it was extraordinary that's right <clears throat> Um, but, uh, so let's, uh, let's get right into the rants for today. Who yeah. wants to start us off? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills! I'm as mad as hell! You've never seen me very upset. Lord Jesus! Lord Jesus! I am, I, I almost did this rant a couple weeks ago, and then yesterday I had an occurrence, and now I'm going to do it now. And yes, my specific example this time is going to be friends. And I think some people are probably getting tired of me talking about friends. <laughs> and I will tr- I, I will try to endeavor in the future not to talk too much about it. But I've seen this happen with Seinfeld, The Simpsons, almost any show in syndication. And you see these run in blocks on channels like TBS, cable stations, TNT, Spike, what have you. Skipping episodes. Yeah, within the within the run of the marathon, right? Well, yeah. Like, I don't understand why. Okay, so Friends was on yesterday and i was watching and they started with season five episode one which is right after ross's wedding where he said rachel's name instead of his wife's name Mm -hmm. and they did the first first two episodes of that season then they skipped like six and showed me like episode nine and then they skipped like five and showed me episode 14 or whatever and i I was like what again here, here we find ourselves again with jeremy getting aggravated and ranting just because he doesn't understand something. <laughs> but what is the purpose? What is the logic? You have bought the rights for every episode. Mm-hmm. And I see this happen on Seinfeld constantly. In that show, it's more forgivable because there's a lot less through lines in the yeah, plot. Yeah, yeah, it's not sequential. And the episodes can stand alone. But I still feel like I'm being jobbed out of reliving Seinfeld season three, episode 15. Oh, there's a Because they don't ever play of, that one. I know. No, they, they skip over so many of those things because... And then they play the same ones over and over and over and over again, and it's still enjoyable, but give us the, the like, B-side. I just discovered where FXX is, because when that channel came about and they did that whole Every Simpsons episode ever <laughs> stunt, I didn't think I had it. I just didn't know where to find it on the guide. Mm-hmm. And they play you know, a block of four or six Simpsons episodes pretty much every day at some point. Um, so the first time I saw it, I flipped up and it was like Marge versus the monorail. And I was like, all right, one of the best episodes ever. And I watched it. And of course they skipped a ton of episodes and they were in like season 10 the next time, the next episode that played. Hmm. And then a few days later, I was like, I'm going to see which Simpsons are playing again. And it was a fucking monorail episode. Oh, and it was like three days later. Oh, and I, I swear they only use like 36 actual episodes and they're just doing them over and over and over and over. And I don't, that baffles my mind why you would do this i don't understand there's not a single reason i have thought of that makes any sense like maybe they've gone through history and looked at the highest rated episodes ever and they're showing those but then you look at i went and looked up season five of friends to see what they skipped and i don't know about the ratings but there are famous 
Friends episodes in there if you're a fan of the show, and mm-hmm. they're skipping right over them. That's bullshit, man. And I don't, I don't, I want to understand. Give me a logical reason. There doesn't seem to be one. <laughs> Probably and, because nobody's paying attention except for you. Well, okay, I admit <laughs> I watch more sitcom reruns than the average person, and I do it usually with Frasier, Seinfeld, or Friends. Mm-hmm. But so, sometimes I'm expecting an episode I know because there's a moment in it I remember, and I want to watch that after the one I'm watching now. But they skip over it. Mm-hmm. They've uh, they've done this for years, though. I mean, I used to watch a whole bunch of shows like that that would be in syndication. I don't really watch very many syndicated sitcoms anymore, but. Uh, there would be stuff where they would play part one of a cliffhanger and not play part <laughs> <Yeah>. two, <laughs> you know, so like, and they would go straight to some other bullshit episode after that. So I don't know what the deal is either, unless it's some random thing. See, like on Thanksgiving, TBS played, I think it was the TBS played like 10 or 12. Like one of these channels did a marathon of friends episode and it was all the Thanksgiving episodes from each season. And right. I'm like, well, there's a programming decision that I understand. Mm-hmm. It's Thanksgiving. Yeah. So I'm seeing all the Thanksgiving Friends episodes. Frazier was doing the same thing on a different channel. And I'm like, okay, I get that. I don't get this. Yeah. No, I understand. Let me buy wine on Sunday. (laughs) I think they've they've got it on Shuffle is what it is. Yeah, (laughs) I'm sure it's some kind of automated (laughs) software kind of thing. Some bullshit. Well, it's shuffling, but it's it's coming up with the same things every time. Yeah, they're like stopping it and then restarting it. There may be something to that. I don't know if the iPhone does this, but when I shuffle the entirety of my library, like it'll play songs that i frequently listen to yeah yeah yeah. so i don't know maybe it's something like that i don't know but it drives me up the goddamn wall (laughs) Mm -hmm. i don't understand why we're not already in a day and age where now again i can go to netflix and just watch you know friends whenever i want there's something active though about choosing to put in a blu-ray or turn on netflix yes that makes me feel more committed to watching yeah. when some most of the time I have these on just kind of as background noise, something to turn and look at when my ADD k- kicks up or whatever. Um, anyway, drives me crazy. Sorry, sorry if everybody hates that rant, but <laughs> I like it. Hey, you know, I'm one third of the show, so you have to deal with what I say. <laughs> um, so we're going to get into some Oscar news later, but uh, and this has probably been a problem for some time as well. But the Oscars seem moot these days. Mm. I having gone through all the different award shows that happen in award season which you know we're full on into this so you had golden globes you had the critics choice you had the sag awards you had all these different things um it's the same winners every time and there's only like every once in a while there's an anomaly like you know you have james franco who has all the you know the bullshit that's come down and and uh you know he's not being nominated for an oscar for Mm -hmm. it so you know so now you know somebody who's been honored pretty much the entire award season like franco isn't going to get an oscar that's good thing but you know it's still if you look at the award shows it's still the same people you know who's going to win the oscar at this point like there's there's hard, I mean, there are possibilities for surprises, I suppose, if you if you like you want to hype it up and say, you know, well, the, there's this factor and so on and so forth. But if it's not Gary Oldman winning for Darkest Hour, right, if it's not Allison Janney for I, Tanya, mm. if it's not Francis McDormand for three billboards over Ebbingham, Missouri, and if Sam it's not Rockwell. Sam Rockwell for the same thing then okay, it's going to have to be one more than one surprise, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be either four, all four of those are going to win the Oscar, or it's going to be three, and there'll be that one like anomaly that somehow... like Best come, Supporting Actress, right? Yeah, those it's are always, always something the like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, or it's like what happened last year with La La Land and um, the movie that actually won Best Picture. That was the surprise. Moonlight, yeah. It does feel more set in stone this year than usual. 
Um, I get what you're saying. I feel like it's getting worse. Yeah, it does. It it does get worse because I think in I don't think I don't think the Academy is an independent body of a lot of these other awards. Like I mean, the Critics' Choice is in a way because it's the critics, but right. I just feel like the Academy is like, oh, I heard of that one. That that person's got a is uh, getting all sorts of buzz for that performance. Okay. And yeah. they watch it and they're like, oh, yeah, they're terrific. Nominated them. Yeah. And I feel like the Academy should be like a body that's independent of all these other like things. They 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 are tasked to watch everything in the year instead of this whole like screener thing or whatever. They're there. That's their job. Go and like watch everything that comes out in the year. And I don't think it works that way because the Academy is made up of like actors and, mm-hmm. you know, people we still don't know about, but whatever. But like there's people who haven't seen everything that are voting. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, But yeah, it, it's it's gotten to the point now where we just know who's going to win. And yeah, there is that occasional anomaly that shows up and you're like, oh, that was awesome. That was a good surprise it's usually just one thing though. Mm-hmm. it's not like a, across the board or anything that we get this i mean guillermo del toro is going to win best director yeah. shape of water is probably going to win best picture i mean there is a possibility that in that even in that category we'll see something like three billboards kind of like i think you know, get out has a dark horse and chance. get out has a dark horse chance yeah um, that's weird uh the other contenders outside of shape of water seem like it's there's no like real clear second favorite you know maybe yeah. three billboards yeah that's but the like, only one that's yeah that's pretty much because it. because both of those have won everything yeah yeah i'll tell you how bad it is it's i think last year and the year before on twitter i live tweet usually and i generally predict each award mm-hmm. and i'm way better than 50 percent on my predictions and you guys know i haven't seen most of these movies when the oscars are being held right. if you can watch the the broadcast and you've watched it for 20 years like i have and predict who's gonna win without having seen any of the movies <laughs> something's wrong well yeah. I, mean, I don't know if something is necessarily wrong because if there's a dominating performance and it's weird to say dominating performance but if there's like a critically lauded like across the board everybody can agree with it thinking like daniel day lewis for you know there will be blood or something like mm-hmm. that then yeah but i think what you guys are saying is that it shouldn't be across the board like there should be one or two of those. Right. That there's a consensus saying, "Yeah, there's no way he's gonna lo- or she's gonna lose this." You shouldn't um, be looking to spot or guess which one's gonna be the surprise. Yeah, 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 exactly. You should be surprised. There should be. You should be allowed to be surprised on more than half the awards. Yeah, yeah. And I just don't think we're gonna be. I think this is a very good rant. Yeah. Um. And and uh, you know, look. I mean, I haven't seen the post yet. I'm sure Meryl Streep is amazing in the post. She's usually pretty amazing in everything she yeah. does and everything. But. Again, they they've nominated someone I don't it probably doesn't have. I'm and look, I'm talking to my ass. I haven't seen the post yet. Mm. But I'm going to assume that her performance is not nearly as good as uh Brooklyn what's her name from the Florida project. Um and probably the other actress who I don't know the name of that you know they found off Instagram or whatever. Um her name's like Bria Venide or something like Did, that. Did uh the girl from Ladybird get nominated? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, and I'm looking at this and I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't mind Sheer Sharonan and Margot right. Robbie and a lot of these, but like, come on, you, you if I, I don't know if that's exactly how it goes, the actors nominate the actors and so on and so on. That's what, from what I understand, that's sort of how that works is the, you know, you have everybody votes on that best picture, but then you have directors vote for directors, actors vote for actors. That's same, the same thing as the SAG awards. That's the same. Right. I mean, why is it, why are we even 
bothering if that yeah. if that's the if that's the issue and i don't know if that's true or not but it seems like every year there is this i have to i have to show meryl streep how much i love meryl streep <laughs> if it's not if if i'm not getting nom if i'm not nominating her then i'm i'm not paying my penance to the queen <laughs> yeah. and and like i feel like uh there are a lot of other performances that get overlooked so that they can shower her with more fucking awards yeah and i you know i and i don't think anybody outside of francis mcdormand's gonna win this fucking thing mm -hmm. But still, it would be nice to see uh, some other, some new blood. Because every year Meryl Streep is in any fucking movie, <laughs> she's getting nominated. It's and it, it's it's even the shitty movies that I mean, like I, I've seen people have great performances in shitty movies. Yeah. No one fawned all over themselves to give fucking awards to them. Yeah, you know, like Florence Foster. Florence. I knew I was gonna fuck that up. Florence Foster Jenkins was not right. a very good movie. Yeah, right? I mean, come on, yeah. that movie that, that shouldn't have been awarded with anything. I don't care how good a performance is. You just you just leave it the fuck alone. Maybe you should get one for uh, <laughs> Mamma Mia too. She's also just recently joined the cast of Big Little Lies season two. Yeah, man. And, and I don't want this to be sound like I hate Meryl Streep. I just think that people just go out of their way to nominate her because they respect her. Mm -hmm. They go out to vote for her. They have to like that. It's like a conscious decision, <laughs> you know. Like you know, I have to. I have to show somehow, some way. Even though she doesn't know I voted for her. Well, maybe <laughs> that is. Maybe it is. Maybe they vote for and go i totally voted for you <laughs> I yeah. everybody tells everybody they voted for. oh them. yeah 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 like i bet you there's people going around oscar night that tell every single best actor nominee i voted for you mm, yeah, yeah yeah somebody's doing that oh yeah i would just to fuck with people hey, you have you know in the uh, lead actor category and everything you know it looks like that's gary ullman's but you know da daniel day lewis i don't think has been in any of the other like awards that, like the phantom phantom threads kind of had this late yeah surge and uh and daniel day lewis there's gonna be some people who are like this is his last performance mm -hmm. so it may fuck up this gary oldman thing and which would be sad because gary well, oldman on the other side don't you have people who are voting for gary oldman just because he's one of those actors that definitely should have won one already and hasn't yeah yeah like, this... i haven't seen this movie seems like a pretty straightforward biopic is this really the best gary oldman performance ever or is it just that we kind of subconsciously decided once once we saw the poster and well, the I mean, makeup and this I is the one and i haven't seen darkest hour either but yes gary oldman has been extremely undershowered with praise right. whatever you want to call that um it's like when they gave it to denzel for training day mm -hmm. he hadn't won best actor up till then well he'd right? won best supporting but, but not best actor yeah. but that again i love that well, movie but even, that's not his best performance and i haven't mm -mm. seen roman j israel esquire either but he got nominated for that and yep. then and this also reeks of i know who denzel washington is i love denzel washington <laughs> yeah. let's nominate him because he's always awesome and so on and so forth you're right i'm one of his biggest fans I'll, he's probably one of my top two favorite actors but mm -hmm. it's still it feels like one that well even i didn't see fences yet but even that one, I was like, wow, he probably, didn't he win something for doing the play? Like, do we need to give him another, like, maybe he's great in this and all, but. No, he's pretty incredible in Fences, but, uh, I mean, I, I felt like that was, I don't know, and, and like I said, we're talking out of our ass, I haven't seen Roman J. Israel Esquire, mainly because the name was Roman J. Israel Esquire. <laughs> that is a terrible and name. I just need to, I just need to go, like, find it at some point, now, forget that the name is that. I got the sense from Dicer on Twitter that he feels the same way, and he's seen the movie. Mm -hmm. Um 
And again, I don't want to quote, misquote him. I don't know exactly what he said, but I came away f- from the tweet thinking Denzel is one of the ones that probably could have gone and given us a, a spot to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've seen I've seen a lot of these movies, but in the actor category, I still haven't seen Call Me By Your Name, Timothy Chalamet's and that. The two I have seen, Daniel Day-Lewis and Daniel Kaluuya. Like, now, mm-hmm. if, if I'm biased because I haven't seen a lot of these things, I would give it to Kaluuya right now yeah. because because uh, I feel like his oh, his man, performance doesn't rely on makeup. It doesn't rely on any bombastic, you know. Like, well, and he's great. Yeah, and he's, he's so, the glue. Yeah, so. You know, I mean, what, what, that's why every year that you have people are like, this is total bullshit. You shouldn't have awards, you know, nominating best acting. And so that's what, you know, that's your typical Sean Penn spiel. Yeah. Um, I do, however, sorry, tangent. I do, however, always think about Dave Chappelle in that scene in Get Out where the black guy's acting all like an old white person. Uh-huh. Um, and I can't help but picture like Dave Chappelle doing a sketch, just kind of riffing on black people who have been turned like in get out and how odd they act dude his whole demeanor in that movie reminded me of when Chappelle came out after the election and did saturday night live and he had this side eye look like he was like i saw this coming because like, it, it was like you know everybody said hillary can't lose Hil-, but i know the whites yeah 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 Right. And that's the look that Daniel Kaluuya has on, like the entirety of this movie, yeah, where he's like, yeah, "Yeah, I know what's going on, guys. Right. It's I've been there, you yeah. know." Um, but yeah, that's that's ultimately my. I mean, it's sort of couple rants in one there. I mean, it just uh, it feels like we know who's going to win before this even happens. And yes, there'll probably be one surprise at least. If there's more than that, then I'll be very happy. Yeah. Um, but uh, and then yeah, the whole Meryl Streep thing, which you know, it's just like <laughs> let's just nominate her for every goddamn thing she does and whatever. So yeah. Um. Anyway, right yeah. On. They should make a movie with Meryl Streep and Denzel Washington, and the a director who Spielberg Spielberg somebody who gets nominated. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Just make like the Oscar scored by John Williams. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they talk about certain roles or movies are like Oscar bait. Well, uh-huh. That's what the that was an actual funny joke from the Golden Globes, and that, and this is the only thing I saw of the Golden Globes. Um, was uh was on the Seth Meyers uh monologue was he was talking about we have uh, the post nominated tonight it has Meryl Streep Tom Hanks directed by Steven Spielberg and somebody out from the back of the stage oh, yeah. shows up with a bunch of awards and he's like no 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 get back, get back. it's not ready yet yeah. uh, that's funny I'm doubling down on my rant from last week oh no so my my rant from last week was the protagonists argue before the film's climax oh right? yeah, I remember uh that cliche. And actually, a lot of people have chimed in with their least favorite cliches, too, on SoundCloud. Yeah, I've seen that. Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah. So that's good good stuff. But what I've seen almost as much of, if not more of, is the inevitable sad music plays after they fight cliche. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not just sad music, it's a sad song, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, in Goodwill Hunting, Elliot Smith. Okay, those are all kind of sad songs, but they, you know, after him and uh, Minnie Driver break up, is, is all that stuff. Um, in It, uh, they have XTC's Dear God, which is one of my favorite songs of all time. Mm. But it's like, oh, we're starting to blame him. He punches Finn Wolfhard in the face, and now we're all going to our separate corners. Dear God, you know, fuck that, fuck that. That's a good, that's a good movie. 
and it always follows. It, you know, every every time this happens, it's, it's the follow the, up um, to a bad moms. It's sort of the uh, the cool down phase, yeah. isn't it? It's like it's like everybody's going to be amped up after this argument and fight. Yeah, let's have a song to play and to cool everybody down. Well, and bridge what, it. what typifies it is uh, the Rufus Wainwright version of Hallelujah and Shrek. Mm-hmm. because that's when shrek is you know donkey uh, get out of here all yeah, that stuff yeah, yeah. and then it's you know i heard there was a secret chord that was the rufus wainwright version nice good job um, i thought it was leonard cohen yeah, I couldn't yeah, tell. yeah. it was the, it was the worst <laughs> leonard cohen cover we've ever heard <laughs> <laughs> but even in like good movies like donnie darko has mad world that plays you know right after this like big that's dramatic such a good thing. song boom oh it is no these are all good songs most of them are good songs i mean and even in uh toy story where they have like a heated toy Toy Story 2, mm-hmm. where they have like that heated argument between Woody and uh, Buzz Jane. Uh, uh, is it Jane? The cowgirl? Cowgirl. I don't fucking know. And the cowgirl, uh, <laughs> they play the fuck. <laughs> Ellie. No, it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, <laughs> Jesse. <laughs> Jesse. Jesse. <laughs> Hold on, my whole shit just busted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you broke it. Jesus fucking Christ. You bro- uh, okay. broke the pop filter. I think he spun it too many times. Anyway, after that moment, um, they play that like cr- soul-crushing song that Randy Newman wrote. Oh, what yeah, is it? Yeah. It's uh, When She Loved Me. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is. Well, the, all the Toy Story movies have a moment like that. <laughs> well, well, wait a minute. Well, the, the When She Loved Me wasn't after an argument. No, I mean, it was a, it was after a heated exchange. So that's a, that's a bad example eh. of that cliche. Yeah. Um, I think there is a bigger problem, though. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just uh, two on-the-nose music choices. Um, because you're right when it, it's not just music that sounds sad, mm-hmm. but they'll pick songs that have sad lyrics yeah. <laughs> or even, even more on the nose. But we noticed it in the conjuring too, when they do London calling. Oh yeah. And of course that's something that friends did, you know, 10 years prior when the friends go to London, of uh-huh. course it's just, a, it's a little too on the nose, right? <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. yeah, of course. Hey, what's the most London song we can think of? And of course the movie, <laughs> the movie underscores that. With all these images of like the Union Jack and Big Ben and all the cliches, and I think I think the problem is bigger than just the sad music being too on the nose. But you're right; they do always play a sad song after the fight before they make up and win the day. And there's and there's almost always a montage of like everybody doing their own thing, and like you know oh. we're sad, but we're definitely going to get back together in like probably about seven minutes. Mm-hmm. So just I wonder sit if back. in a situation of like London Calling. Where I wonder if the screenwriters or the director was like, we're going to do something different, God damn it. And the studio was like. And then the studio was like, well, London Calling is really cheap to buy. <laughs> We've already got the rights for it. Right. Got an unlimited license. Okay, London Calling it is. London yeah, that's kinda, Calling. That's a, that's a weird choice, though, because I think I haven't really dive deep into those lyrics no it's not what you think it is but well, it's not I mean, it's what you think it is yeah but not right what the average person yeah thinks it is. i think it's it paints like a pretty bleak picture and it's not like an upbeat song it's, it's no it's like born in the usa right? born in the usa was yeah, never meant exactly. to be like a, a pro-american patriotic <laughs> yeah rallying cry yeah. it's like about the plight of the workers exactly anyway well, it's kind of like uh that uh that harry styles song with the video with the ki- kids throwing cake and shit yeah yeah like you listen to the lyrics of that and i'm like uh there's little kids running <laughs> oh, around yeah. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah 
it's, it's some weird shit. Yeah, in there, like uh, what is this? I mean, I, I like the video and everything, but goddamn, hard candy, li- hard candy dripping down your leg. <laughs> Fuck me. It's also, I mean, there's a reason to underscore what you're saying. There's a reason people do it jokingly because mm-hmm. it's been done to death, like Arrested Development with the. Hello, darkness, my yeah, old friend. The sound and of, of course, Lego Batman doing the one is the loneliest number after right. he's all by yeah. himself. <laughs> and those are making fun of that kind of moment because they happen way too often. Yeah. So you're yeah. dead on. That's a good call. What do we want to do about news? Do we want to go back into the Oscars? We can. Cool. News on the mark. I do. I would like to know how Boss Baby gets nominated over Lego Batman. Yeah, this is where we can sort of uh, we can sort of expand the the Oscar talk uh, because uh, yeah, Boss Baby. Yeah, that's one of the that was one of the biggest that was trending on Twitter when that happened. Yeah, it like seem people like were like, "Are you happy fucking that. kidding me?" Yeah, and, I don't know what happened there because it's not like some years it's like there just weren't enough animated movies that made money or people saw. Right. So we have to nominate this turd like despicable <laughs> me or what have you um i guess the first one was okay uh but the, you know you got lego batman sitting out here you have captain underpants which is a lot of fun too. yeah and so what the fuck i don't know i don't know listen i like boss baby probably more than anybody i have ever talked to besides maybe <laughs> my son um I, it, I didn't like it i just liked it more than people right, sure. typically did but it's not a fucking oscar nominee is it because of sakes. the people involved is it like is it because Alec Baldwin's involved? Gave it I don't know. Kind of, I know yeah. it made a shit ton of money, but I don't remember it getting like great I reviews. I don't, I don't think don't Alec Baldwin is exactly beloved among everybody. Like, mm. you know, he's was, probably uh, split. Was Meryl Streep a voice? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. probably so. Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel and uh, Lisa Kudrow were voices. Uh, mm. See, that uh, just tells me to stay away. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, know, I love Lisa Kudrow. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think there were any real recognizable voices in there besides Alec Baldwin. Oh, Toby Maguire was the kid. Oh, but I mean, it's not like, oh, it's Toby. Yes, might as well have been Army Hammer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And well, and there were a lot of uh, people upset that he wasn't nominated for the Call Me By Your Name, too. Oh, yeah. Well, he's supposed to be really good in it. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you know, it's it's tough a lot of times with some of these and they did it this year where they have actors from the same movie competing in the same category, like mm-hmm. the Woody Harrelson and Sam Rockwell and the supporting actor and everything that's always i feel like that's tough you know yeah. like uh like they're you're, you're pitting your co-stars together and everything it's happened many times yeah. but it's just a weird thing for godfather 2 there was like three of them yeah i, I think, think so. for, yeah. for best uh, yeah. supporting actor oh yeah mm. um, <laughs> we also i think need to talk about andy circus yeah yeah um who presented the the nominees, by the way. <laughs> Poor bastard. They told him ahead of time, hey, your name's not going to be on this yeah, list. Probably so. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I saw Simser on Twitter talking up Doug Jones from Shape of Water. Again, I haven't seen that, but I guess he did a lot of similar Andy Circus style mm-hmm. work or heavy makeup work. I don't really know because uh, I haven't seen it. And, and again, the problem is Andy Circus has done mocap work in better movies, but mm-hmm. he's still so fucking good. Like somebody asked on Twitter a couple months ago, Who, who's your favorite male performance of the year? And I said, Caesar, like Andy Circus, immediately. Didn't even bat an eye. Now, granted, I've seen 10% of what you guys have probably seen in terms of. Well, his performance is the best part of that movie. It is. For and sure. I just don't know how you. I don't know how you can continue to ignore this guy. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm, by the way, we're not the only people who 
who think this. Like, we've done the sin for years that, you know, Andy Serkis isn't getting nominated for an Oscar in this <laughs> scene or what have you. But, like, there are plenty of people on Twitter who were saying almost as much about Andy Serkis as I saw about Boss Baby being nominated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's always going to be a gray area for uh, the industry, right? Because after our War for the Planet of the Apes video, we had someone saying that the performance is incomplete until we come in and like actually do the stuff. Yeah. And even though we have that one video of him doing the performance and it just slowly morphs him into Caesar yeah. as it happens, um, there's you know there's always the the thought from from a lot of people that well the visual effects are as much of the performance as the actor is and we ha- we feel uncomfortable uh, nominating that the the ultimate fix which they're never going to do they're always going to award lesser or what lesser things that nobody gives a shit about but they start doing voice and mocap um yeah categories Oscars. uh they're not going to be interested in that who's going to be like man i really wish they had I could watch the visual. This is a bad example, but uh, you know, editing category instead of these fine performances that took this team together. Oh, yeah, know? I mean, and editing is definitely important. I just don't feel like on the telecast itself right. anybody gives a shit about exactly. it. Exactly. And uh, and so like I don't know why some of these can't be the technical awards or be the ones that they award beforehand. Right. And then they add meaningful stuff like this and stunts. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the other things that, you know, people have been clamoring for for years uh, to uh, actually get an Oscar nomination for. But for whatever reason, the Academy is resistant to it. And I'm telling you, imagine the clip show that would precede the nominations. Yeah. For best stunt. Yeah. 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 Or Even best VFX, stunt actor or whatever. I mean, you see companies all the time now putting out VFX reels like the people that do Game of Thrones. I see one every season and it's like shots from the season. Uh, and then it. And then it shows you the CG they added into the background. Mm-hmm. That show does it the best, too, because it's always like a rock <laughs> or a treat. Like you never actually realize you're watching how much they've CG'd in there. Um, anyway, but those are fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, like the overlay, you could do the same thing with the circus video for any kind of mocap performance where you could show a morphing video of the what they shot and what the end product was. I don't know. You're why getting you- to, yes, the Oscars should be largely performance based, what you see in front of the camera. Because. In a telecast, that's what you're going to present. You don't want to see I mean, maybe like the written page and, and uh, parsing out some of the dialogue and stuff like that. That's fun. But like the editing or like the sound effects or things like that, nobody's going to get on board with that. These you know? are things that just take up time. And I, I understand. You got I mean, I, I believe these people should be honored for what they do. Yeah. I just don't think it's a telecast thing. Right. If if you were stream it on Amazon, yeah, yeah. If you were to uh, start the Oscars today, there's never been an Oscars in the history or whatever, and you were a TV guy, what would you want on this show? And it's just sort of all this stuff has just been tradition for the mm-hmm. long, for the longest time, and nobody wants to break a tradition, you know. Can I say something really ignorant? Mm-hmm. What what does an editor do? Like, I read an article when Tom Cruise went back to filming. Mission Impossible 6, because he'd had that injury. Mm-hmm. And it said in the downtime, Christopher McQuarrie got a head start editing everything that he had shot up till the injury. And Is I he was editing? Like, mm. I was like, well, I'm, I've always assumed the director's in the room when they're editing. I think he's just, I think that me that shorthand for got in the room with the editor to do editing. And so does the editor, I'm, I'm trying, I'm not trying to make jokes, because mm-hmm. I what we do, we I would consider editing, mm-hmm. right? And I think, 
some of us, you guys are both better at it than I am. Um, some of the people we've worked with in the past are better than other, other people. There's some measure of talent there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I imagine the director, somebody who's like David Fincher, who's got total authority, he's not going to let the editor put together a scene the way he doesn't want. I don't know. I mean, uh, it probably depends on the director. But yeah, somebody like Fincher may have a different style than somebody who said, just bring it to me. And I'll make you know kind of like the the final touch. I think there's I think there's notes, and the editor follows the notes, and and if he's got some sort of artistic flourish he wants to throw in there, and they don't like it, then they can always take it out, yeah. and so on and okay. so forth. I think I don't I, I think he does much more than we are we are told or or that we can imagine in our heads. I think that the director probably i mean you know your really big directors are probably going to be in the room at the time of all these edits and everything but i do think that the editor himself is probably going to be sitting there going all right how does this do what we as this film Mm. as this film crew want on this movie we want something fast-paced okay well we'll start trying to find all the the footage that matches that criteria and everything. i'm not trying to like by the way i'm i'm sorry if i'm belittling the art of editing i'm just asking an a genuine question. I know there's something to it. When we did that Beast of Balor short that was a Lord of the Rings goof, like I did an edit of it and the guy that shot it did an edit of it. And mm-hmm. I think we ended up using his. But we had I had to make choices, right? I had all the raw footage and I had to make choices on when to cut and which take to use here and there. And I get that. But I was also considering myself like the director of that when I was making that edit, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. And it's just, it's hard for me I guess I just assumed the director had more pressure and control over what the editor's decisions were. Yeah, it probably depends. I mean, uh, did you see that Paul Thomas Anderson didn't have a cinematographer for Phantom Thread? Yeah, I saw that. Um, so it's like he, the only time he's ever done that. Yeah, he had like a director of photography, I guess. Like, you know, tell him the specifics about like, he's this is the shot that I want. But it was like a piecemeal approach. And I assume some people are going to be like Spielberg, I'm sure, has an editor that he super trusts. And the Coen brothers have somebody that they super trust. Well, it's um, the Coen brothers. Well, it's the Coen brothers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's there's going to be some that say like, you know, I trust you to do all this stuff and then just bring it to me. I'm going to focus on, say, the cinematography or something like that or, or vice versa. It just feels to me like it's usually a category filled with movies where I'm like, huh. Like I never, I, I yeah, can never exactly. predict what's exactly. going to be nominated for best editor because there's always something in there, like you know, The Force Awakens or whatever, or and then it'll be something like Sideways or whatever. Well, here's know. here's an example. Okay, so Baby Driver was nominated. See that I get that actually. Yeah, it does stand out. Dunkirk was was in there. That I get as well. Yeah, sure. Um, the Shape of Water, um, I Tanya. And three billboards. I Tanya and three billboards don't make any sense to me. Yeah, I mean, was there anything spectacularly? clear about the edits i don't think and- it's i don't i don't think they're looking for spectacular whatever uh and i don't know what the criteria is mm. either i mean it's probably among editors who are making those decisions and they have the eye mm. that we <laughs> like i see that transition right yeah, there yeah, <laughs> so yeah, fucking yeah. great and uh <laughs> and so like yeah i look at it and go i tanya weird three three billboards weird but to editors it probably means that what they saw was you know transcendent in some way that's interesting so i mean and and it and it may be very subtle things like you know how they decide to cut away from an actor when they're talking or i don't know how they know the other stuff like when they're talking about like oh it's also the decisions of the stuff that they decide to put in 
Like, mm-hmm. how do they know what has been put in, what's right. been taken out? What's you know? I don't know how they know that if they if they know that. Well, I mean, it so just I think seems they're just like, watching it yeah. and going, "Oh, okay. Well, yeah. They it's it's very interesting how it cuts when this person says this word and so on and so forth." I felt like Molly's game had good editing mm. because of the way it it punctuates a lot of the Sorkin dialogue in it. That's something that I was very aware of. I don't think it has anything to do with what we're aware of. I the plebs not. watching movies. You yeah. Know? You just think of like something like Dunkirk or baby driver or even Molly's game where you notice the editing. You, you it, it's out. It's outstanding to the point that people like us can say, God damn, that was really good. Yeah. yeah. I can yeah. tell you what's shitty editing a lot of times. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's, Oh that's no, the, totally. I mean, any, anything <laughs> like we, because we do what we do on the cinema channel, there's so many things that happen where, dialogue starts on that last fucking <laughs> millisecond of somebody looking at the camera yeah and 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 we try to cut out all that bullshit that's in the video so that it doesn't like give you that little whoa what the fuck was that <laughs> right you know look and like uh and so like i don't understand that ever no like why do you do that why is there ever a choice to be like i'm gonna start the dialogue right fucking here valerian was the worst oh my about God. that yeah and it just i don't i'll never get that and i'm sure that's part of it too where i mean and who, how do the sound effects and sound effects editing people go into what's being edited as well as far as the visual mm-hmm. is concerned because there's got to be some choices being made there as well um so i don't i don't know i i feel like that's a category that is above our heads yeah like even though we know what editing is and we've done editing i don't think we've done that kind of no i agree well i think it's similar here i go i'm gonna be ignorant again i think it's similar to like director photography cinematographer director Mm -hmm. right because i think it's easy for plebes like us i'm gonna insult myself first before the listener can do it um to not understand those jobs and and where they're different and i understand that you know a cinematographer or director of photography probably has a technical know-how with regard to not only the equipment and how to use it but um staging shots and there's a, it's just it doesn't feel on the surface no sure i mean unless you get somebody that again is outstanding like a roger dakins or something like that but i still feel like and, and again I, I understand why he's great i can see the greatness in his work but I don't know that it's always I don't know that everybody has that kind of freedom. I think there are a lot of cinematographers that just get told what to shoot. Almost, to shoot. That was the same mm, with Kubrick. I, I think that almost every cinematographer I've ever heard talk or read in a magazine or whatever, they've been hired because they are this person. They are never hired to be like, just follow orders. They like you hire Roger Deakins because he knows so much about cinematography you you put him in there and he does his thing. I get that. I get that. Yeah. But and I'm the creativity talking... comes from, you know, how it's composed and everything. If the director doesn't like it, then he's hired the wrong person, essentially. Yeah, yeah. I guess I'm just trying to say it's a it's a category I don't think we really understand or think through too much as fans. No, you have okay, so you have different styles again. So Stanley Kubrick used John Alcott for almost all of his movies. And you never hear about John Alcott. You hear about Stanley Kubrick mm-hmm. because he was so domineering as far as what he oversaw. Even though Alcott had a lot of input, it was ultimately his decision. And then you have somebody like Paul Thomas Anderson that comes out and says, I know where to point a camera and shoot it 
the way that that I want it shot. These and, are these are union jobs too. You can't yeah. just go in and be like, I need it to be the. I mean, you tell you. I think every single one of these things that I have read, like, and, and this could be just on based on uh, a a good director, a well known director, and everything, but like. You know, almost every actor seems to th- seems to think that they were hired for a cert for their for their own skills. They weren't hired to be tell what the director tells them to be. Like that's what every actor seems to say is like, you know, you hired me to do this job. You thought you thought this was the the thing, so I'm going to do what I always do. If you want me to change in some way, you've hired the wrong person. <laughs> Don't you think that's <laughs> so you're Lord and Miller? It's not. Yeah. It can't be like that constantly, though. No, it's not like that constantly. Because there are like, directors that definitely tell performers like how to alter what they're doing. That probably didn't happen on like heavyweights or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's just you know. I was thinking like Tropic Thunder. Yeah, like you know, you don't you don't often think about cinematographers on comedies mm-hmm. or even often on dramas. You think about it more on uh, movie genres that are known for visual flair, mm-hmm. like action or sci-fi or what have you. Um, but like. I'm sure there are comedies being made, like the Bad Moms. Do you think the director was telling the cinematographer how to stage those shots, or vice versa? Mm, I mean, I don't know who directed Bad Moms. I guess my point is, (laughs) I'm pretty sure they hire somebody just off the line on those things and say, "Hey, we want it. We want this flatly lit. We want it to look like a comedy." Okay, and they just do it. (laughs) But it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I've just derailed everything, and I'm really sorry (laughs) because I clearly just don't know what I'm talking about, and that's fine. Uh, but I feel like there are, you know, Roger Deakins is up here. You hire Roger Deakins for be, to be Roger Deakins. There's another mm-hmm. end of the spectrum somewhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But Definitely. they're not getting hired for for their creative decisions. I agree. But they might be getting hired and then told what to do by the director. Sure. And it's never going to be anything complex. It's going to always be something like, you know. <laughs> date movie. Yeah, date movie. <laughs> it's going to be those type of things where you're like, point the camera where I say, and then you get you get your credit, and then like later on you can like be, you know, Mr. Awesome Cinematographer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. We can move on. All right, so we want to recommend some things. Totes amazeballs. They're great. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. So first thing I did when I landed in L.A. a couple weeks ago, I went to my hotel. I had gotten there very early. It was like 10 o'clock or something like that. And I always go to the hotel with that just like that. My fingers crossed. (laughs) Maybe got a room and you can just put me in there and I can go to sleep, which is what I really wanted to do because I woke up at like 4.50 in the morning. Jesus. And uh, and, uh, they were like, no, there's not one right now. I was like, okay, god damn it. All right, well, uh, I'm going to go walk somewhere real quick and then whatever. So I walked and uh, found the closest movie theater and watched jumanji welcome to the jungle oh and uh i remember before this movie came out somebody on facebook was like how much how much uh, alcohol should i drink before i watch this jumanji movie and i was like well you know the, the that's a trick question you don't watch the jumanji movie you just you know you just don't watch it that's you just all. drink instead of yeah, watching exactly <laughs> um so uh so then it comes out and people are like oh this was surprisingly good yeah. and i was like when i first hear that i'm like no nah. I don't. I still don't trust you. I don't <laughs> trust you at all. 
Um, but considering that, that that was really my only option, and by this point I had heard that it was actually good, I went and, and watched it. And of course, I got a text that my room was ready as soon as I bought the ticket. Oh, <laughs> seriously? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck that. Uh, but uh, so I go in, and uh, it was it was surprisingly delightful. Um, the reason I think it is is not only are you know people like the rock and kevin hart and all them are they're just just fun to watch in general if you put them in the right movie and everything um but it has zero uh reliance on nostalgia Hmm. there's almost nothing in there where i I don't i mean the only thing that's really a connection to the first movie is where they find jumanji at the beginning of the movie interesting Hmm. because you know at the end of the original jumanji it's on the beach or whatever yeah in france yeah and uh so so yeah they turn it they they turn it into this big video game uh thing where it's you know it's it, they've updated jumanji and that's an, that's a question i have basically for the sins video is, <laughs> is uh how does jumanji update to video game status <laughs> over all this time <laughs> you know it, it was previously only using 10 percent of its brain that's true that's true um it was definitely happening like that um but um yeah i uh it's just one of those movies it's just it's fun and it's fast and um it works so okay how does this differ from like central intelligence like other lesser kevin hart rock movies obviously it's a completely different movie but their dynamic well i think it might be the addition of i haven't seen it you tell us um jack black seems to help i would guess yeah jack black jack black like when i first saw the trailer for this i was like oh fuck me jack black's just basically doing what rob schneider did in the hot chick and i was like uh but it's way better than what rob schneider did <laughs> hey careful my wife loves that movie oh the hot chick oh my god it's one of her jams oh, she Jesus. giggles and giggles oh, and giggles my god. Uh, that is that may be the most tragic misuse of rachel mcadams i've ever seen in uh movie. it's pretty bad but that was way earlier in her career it's true that's true but he inhabits her soul right her or like body. her body his soul inhabits her body by yeah, they switch. In the hot chick, yes. Yes. They switch with oh, Rachel McAdams, who becomes uh, Rob Schneider. And, and yeah, so Rob Schneider has to deal with being a Why teenager. are there so many of these movies? I don't, I don't know. know. There's like 17 movies <laughs> yeah. where the dad and son switch well, bodies. Well, because, uh, because, oh, wouldn't it be fun if the young guy could experience what the old guy does and what the old guy experiences what the young guy does? <laughs> they always have that. Wouldn't it be fun? Yeah, it's been done a million fucking times. Stop yeah. writing that shit. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I haven't really directly compared this to Central Intelligence. I mean, there, there are other people in here, like Karen Gillan, and and jack black but uh i don't know there's something about the the antics and central intelligence that get really just on your nerves faster whereas in jumanji it feels like oh this is a kind of a situation where you would act this way a little bit more like it's not as you know it's not as um stupid yeah i guess so <laughs> not as stupid i felt uh, like central intelligence was insulting to anyone who has intelligence yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it really felt like they're just like hey kevin hart we're gonna roll you just be funny mm-hmm. you just keep saying stuff and sputtering and it'll be it'll be great yeah promise yeah. and then they let it roll for like 20 percent. yeah too seriously long. and it, i mean in this one it uh it's sort of i guess i mean they tried to do that in central intelligence too but it makes fun of their own personas and everything and all that but uh no i it, that would be an interesting study by the way i wouldn't mind doing that watching central intelligence and then Jum- that's a weird 
double feature. <laughs> watching Central Intelligence and then watching Jumanji and then trying to figure out what exactly worked in this movie that didn't work in the other one. But yeah, uh, getting back to Jack Black. Yeah, Jack Black is really good in this. Like playing that, playing that. I thought that it was going to be a lot of these teenage girl cliche type of things but uh it re- he really plays that i think subtly even hmm. um so uh, he's gotten a lot more nuanced as he he's has. got on mm-hmm. he sure has uh, yeah. thank god too he's in something coming up too that looks really really oh good. yeah it's uh it's a based on a true story yeah god about a, a guy mm-hmm. yep I've actually read about what you're talking about i just can't think of anything <laughs> I'll, I'll pull up because i remember when i read it it made me think of that movie bernie Mm-hmm. that he had done he was really excellent in, so. don't worry he won't get far on foot oh yes yeah that's mm-hmm. based on a real person mm-hmm. yeah yeah the, and that's the directed the... by gus van sant oh yeah, yeah. That, that's what it is wow yeah nice it's just... yeah <laughs> i didn't have to see that guy who made goodwill hunting <laughs> yeah i got his name jumanji welcome to the jungle 76 percent rotten tomatoes yeah uh 7.2 it's made, heard pretty good things it's made a lot of money too sure like has. it's uh it's going up there to the point where it might end up being second of on the on 2017 well and it's been the number one movie for like four four or five weeks in a row yeah um and uh it's it's approaching wonder woman and guardians of the galaxy and all that which reminds me, there is a news item, like just randomly here, that uh, Juman- the next Jumanji is planning on going up head to head with Star Wars 9 when it comes out. Interesting. There's um, a lot of like showdowns coming up. Right. And and it, I, under- I understand if you're Jumanji, you know, you're the, the student, I think, I guess it was Sony that did Jumanji. Um, the, you know, well, we've got this big hit. It doesn't matter when we come out with it people are going to watch it it's christmas people watch you know christmas movies basically just get a huge just jump from being in christmas doesn't matter when you release it but you did so well coming out with it a week after last jedi why why cut into that Mm. you're you're gonna get crushed now the thing is you're gonna do well still but Mm. you're gonna get crushed overall in that first week because everybody's going to watch that next star wars movie. Mm-hmm. so i don't really understand that i'm sure there'll be some sort of flinching going on where they'd be like okay well, we'll come out with it on the 22nd or right. something like that but um I, I find that really interesting that they would like let's just go head to head with star wars let's just go with what kept working for you in the why even bother dance with the one who brung you that's right that's right it's also a great petra song <laughs> mm-hmm. from my youth ah. yeah yeah absolutely it means they're referring to jesus uh, of course yeah absolutely because you dance with jesus dance with the one who brought you who god in le- my childhood so who leads in that situation uh, <laughs> when you're dancing with god yeah yeah well uh, there's a god. whole jesus take the wheel so i guess it's jesus take guess, the lead I guess too so. yeah. jesus take um, the wheel. one other like uh recommend uh the drunk history just came back on oh i love that show um drunk history is probably one of the best comedies that have come out in the last five years this is in the fifth season now it's so smart it is it really is and the first episode of this new season uh is about women who who did great things in wartime so there's uh there's like clara barton Mm -hmm. mandy moore slays it as clara barton she's also like mimicking and i can't remember who it was that was doing the the actual drunk history in that one she's hilarious tiffany haddish is on one of them oh nice and uh and paget brewster's on another one and it's just oh my 
God, that first episode, I was like rolling, especially the <laughs> Tiffany Haddish one. Because watching all these white people do her mannerisms and like you know like trying to talk like 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 have that animation of talking like her and everything there's a she's already funny as it is but like all these people like doing the stuff and everything uh is oh it's so good that show is so funny you're right it's smart and it's well shot and it's uh it's um, well acted i mean to line up all like you're saying with the, the actors do a terrific job nailing exactly like the 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 uh, inflection and yeah. like the the speech patterns and all that stuff it's weird to say like a a, a show like drunk history is smart but it's really fucking yeah, smart it really as a web series yeah oh yeah. yeah it did um yeah but yeah uh Mandy Moore and that that Clara Barton one, she is fantastic in it. Just yeah, like it, just, I've never seen Mandy Moore like that before. And it's so t- she did a great uh, multi episode arc on Scrubs, and she was very very funny. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what you know what her, her big thing was? Instead of laughing, she'd say, "Oh, that's so funny," <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of actually like recycled from a Seinfeld episode where uh, that was the impetus for the roommate switch because. Jerry's girlfriend wouldn't laugh. All oh, right, but the and roommate she would say that's so funny. funny. But the roommate had this wonderful laugh, high oh. and lilting. Yes. Um, I have no warning this week. I have nothing to talk about. As I far bet as you'll as have something to say about my kind of warning. Okay. Do you have a recommend? Um, I wrote one down. I'm not really very, very passionate about it. I haven't really seen anything since the last podcast that made me go. I should tell people to watch this. <laughs> so it became one of these things where I was looking through my my. Blu-rays and DVDs for movies that I own from the 90s that just don't get talked about anymore that I like. Mm-hmm. So I found The Count of Monte Cristo. I've talked about it before. Oh. Um, and I'll, I will go ahead and give that a, 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 an actual recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of people in this that you like, I think. Mm-hmm. Not you, Barrett, but you people. <laughs> you like people. Luis Guzman is pretty funny in this. Um, oh, I forgot he was in that. Yeah, and Jim Caviezel plays the lead role. It's a fantastic story. I don't know if you've ever read the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, basic, basically one of the best, most known revenge tales ever. Guy gets wrongfully imprisoned, um, sent to this shithole island rock prison where they pull him out of his cell once a year to whip him. Nice. Because they think it's fun. Mm-hmm. And he tells him when he first gets there, he's innocent. And they were like, oh, I know you are. They don't send guilty people here. They send people here that they want to disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, he meets this priest in the next cell over who's trying to dig a tunnel. Old priest. Actor's name escapes me, of course. <laughs> uh, but you know him. Richard. Richard Harris. Richard Harris. Richard Harris. Uh, who's a fantastic, great actor who's now dead, I believe. But uh, he's playing uh, this old priest. They start. He agrees to basically teach Edmond, um, the main character, who is just a fisherman basically he's like a, i don't know second command on some kind of boat merchant boat or something but he's a nobody he's not educated he doesn't have any money uh and so over time they work together to dig on the tunnel mm-hmm. and then they take breaks and the old man teaches him everything from reading and writing um to hand-to-hand combat because this priest used to be a soldier um and then basically i don't want to tell the whole story but basically he gets out finds a treasure and piece by piece starts going after all the conspirators that together had him thrown in prison and wrongfully accused. And what this movie does really well, Guy Pierce is his best friend who's not that great a guy. Uh, young Superman is in this. Um, you guys enjoy this, don't you? 
he enjoyed this. Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill. <laughs> young Henry Cavill's in this. Stop enjoying it. It offends me. <laughs> but it's, it's it's like he it's years and years later, like 17 years later, something like that, when he gets out of prison. Uh, but what this movie does well is moments. It just get, it, There are probably about six or seven moments where the acting, the shot, music it just kind of works perfectly mm-hmm. um and uh it's really kind of fun to watch these assholes get their comeuppance from a guy they all thought was dead nice and uh if you don't want to watch the movie at least read the book if you're into literature and good stories fantastic book i remember uh liking this movie uh it's got a 7.8 that's good. IMDb, huh, that's good so that's very high i did used to feel like it was like a guilty pleasure but maybe mm-hmm. i just need to come out of my shell a little more with yeah that. And uh, you be you. <laughs> and uh, uh, Kevin Reynolds directed it too, which is oh, another surprise. Wow. Um, considering made it you, all the way through a movie. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Probably because probably because yeah. Costner Kevin wasn't in it. Exactly. Kevin, Kevin Costner wasn't there. I'm not even involved with this, but I'm gonna fuck you. But you're fucking it up. Oh no! But I heard Guy Pierce was like, "Fuck this! I'm gonna start directing it." And then Edward Norton stepped in. Um. So, uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed it when I first watched it. I haven't seen it since, but uh, I know that I liked it, and it looks like a lot of people like it. Yeah, it, yeah. my wife really likes it, which is, yeah, after we got married, it just became one of those movies that we watched a lot because we both enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how, kind of how I got intro- introduced into it. And I, I I think back over it, and I just I don't think there are any major flaws. It's not like you're going to watch it and go, fuck, that's the best thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're going to have a good time. It's short and sweet, not very long. Um, I recommend. Yeah, there I you. remember liking it, too. Uh, my recommend, and uh, I'll follow it up with my Recca Warn because I want to get your thoughts. Recca, Recca Warn. Um, I actually watched, I usually never watch a show right when it premieres mm-hmm. because I don't want to get involved in something that it's it's silly. I, you know, I probably should, you know, take more chances, but I don't want to get involved in a show that isn't going to get legs, isn't going to get picked up, um, doesn't receive much critical acclaim, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I rarely start right at the beginning. But I caught uh, Stars aired Counterpart uh, this last week. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, the J.K. Uh, Simmons. J.K. Simmons. And, man, it's good. I heard it's good. It's really good. It's like about a mirror universe or something? So, yeah, this is in the not-too-distant future. J.K. Simmons is this schlubby dude that works at this government agency. Has no idea what he does, but what the bi- bigger picture is. But he goes in and does the same thing every day, and he knows that it's a cog and a wheel, and he's trying to move up. He's trying to advance in the company to figure out what's going on. Uh, He gets denied, and uh, things happen, basically, and this is all in the trailer. uh, Things happen to where they have to make contact with another person, comes in with a hood. They take off the hood. It's J.K. Simmons from another dimension, from another universe, Mm. who is smart and capable and suave and all that stuff. Uh, Basically... It's like schlubby J.K. Simmons versus Whiplash's J.K. Mm-hmm. Simmons, uh, which he's played both of throughout his career. And so he gets to really like show off his range, and he's really, really good. This gives me like a lot of... Did you guys ever watch the show Fringe? Uh, yeah, yeah, I watched with, a little bit of it. With Anna Torv and Joshua yeah, yeah, yeah. Jackson. Uh, I love that, that show. Yeah, I heard it was great. And, I heard, and the problem with Fringe was that I didn't like it enough to follow it around yeah. wherever it went on, on fox's schedule yeah all the time so i watched like I the first, on every day yeah i watched it like three three or four up epi- maybe maybe longer into it but then it like 
we don't know if it's going to get canceled or not. And then it would change. And it'd be like one of those Friday night shows yeah, yeah. or whatever. I don't know if it was on Friday. It was on Friday yeah. at some point. Yeah. And uh, so like, you know, I just, I lose interest when it's exactly what you sort of prefaced this with, yeah. with, with the, you know, you don't know if it's going to be a show that's going to last or whatever. Yeah. I'm down with this type of, I mean, everything is going to be compared with the original X-Files at this point. Any sci-fi high concept thing is going to, is going to get that or even maybe lost, but this one I'm on board with the the concept, just like I was with Fringe. Like it's got it's got potential to have those standalone episodes, which French French did inside of an overall mythology that you're kind of moving towards. And you don't have it's not a concept where you have to move quickly towards it, so you can take your time. So early signs are good. It's only just the first episode, but it's it's really really good. Did you hear about that new Zemeckis show? No, I think it was announced yesterday. It sounds a lot like Lost. Basically, a, a plane full of people disappears and then shows back up 16 years later and time hasn't moved for anybody on the plane see i if that's done like with a robert zemeckis style i'm on i'm on fucking oh yeah board. i mean <laughs> it, there are some premises that are good enough that yeah. i'm just like okay yeah <laughs> because it is kind of i'm sure it was inspired by that malaysian plane that disappeared where the entire world realized we can actually lose planes yeah exactly because <laughs> i didn't know that was possible um it's a big ocean people um <clears throat> Uh, let me warn you against a little movie I call Broke Down Palace. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm flipping channels the other day. Claire Danes Claire, and young Kate Claire Beckinsale. Danes and young Kate Beckinsale and, and super young Paul Walker yeah. as a friend visiting. I always love that moment, too, because they're like old high school buddies. And three of them show up, Paul Walker and two other randos. Uh, they flew all the way to fucking Thailand to visit their old high school buddies. Yeah. Like, who would do that? I'd be like, oh, man, it sucks that those people I used to know are in jail halfway around the country in a place where I'll probably get a disease. Um, but I'm not going to go all the way over there. And they, they're literally there for 30 seconds. And then <laughs> just it, visiting up. hours. And they're like, they're, they're behind fences across like a ravine. They can't even like actually meet. <laughs> They're like yelling across this ravine at each other. Anyway, <laughs> like, all right, I guess it's best basic <laughs> premise is this Claire Danes and Kate Beckinsale, two young, attractive American girls doing what we all do, going to Thailand for vacation. Sure. Um, and they basically meet this Australian hunk mm-hmm. who you later find out fucks both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but he invites them to Hong Kong. Kate Beckinsale really likes him. So Claire Danes decides to go, and then while they're in line, he flies out that night and buys them tickets for the next day, and while they're in line at the airport, the Thailand police come and arrest them because there's six kilos of heroin in their backpack. Oh, shit. And they go to third world prison, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, Kate Beckinsale signs a confession because it was in uh, in Thai, and she's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) She thought they had typed up her statement. Uh, of innocence and then bill pullman is this american lawyer who married uh, a thai woman and lives there and fights legal causes for i guess anyone but largely uh white people who mm-hmm. are trapped in this thai mm-hmm. prison system mm-hmm. um and uh boy is this movie bland it's just it's, it's bland with all that premise yes that's kind of crazy well because 80% of the movie ends up being them sulking around the prison yard Ish. in purple robes and crying and fighting. <laughs> and the, uh, the rest of the movie is Bill Pullman coming to visit them and talk to them on the other side of a screen. That's nice. Basically, that's basically it. Like, I remember when this movie came out. I saw it in theaters. I'm pretty sure I was working at Hollywood at the time mm-hmm. um, and built a print. 
and I had a Claire Danes thing. I think I've admitted that before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I was all in premise alone. Like, I got to see this. And I remember being underwhelmed. But the other day I was flipping and I couldn't really remember, was this movie any good? Well, those girls are both attractive. It's uh-huh. not very long. Maybe I'll just check it out for a little. I ended up watching the whole thing. <laughs> um, and, and, and I'm here to warn you, don't waste your time. It's not, you're not going to get done with that movie and go, fuck, that's the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it's not that bad. There's just, not, there's just nothing there. Watch the whole thing, man. You, that's the commitment that you had to this warn. Actually, there just wasn't anything better on. You know, sometimes you have to sacrifice and watch a movie you don't like. <laughs> that, was, that was the thing. It was at Hollywood 27 because I remember, like, when we got that movie. Remember, we write stuff in a notebook saying, here's what we did mm-hmm. or whatever. And I think we had that movie for maybe I don't know two or three weeks or something like that. <laughs> it's quick. And uh, and like um, and and so it, it meant that once you broke that back down into reels, you would write in the notebook, broke down, broke, broke down, down palace. palace. <laughs> um, the uh, those movies are almost never good. Stuff like Return to Paradise and Red Corner and yeah, oh, okay, all yeah. those yeah. movies are just the wrongfully accused and thrown into a prison and you know Midnight I mean, Express. Yeah, Midnight Express. Midnight Express, I mean... Even, that was the original. Yeah, though, I mean, I think, I guess, I, I don't know if that was the original, but it was, it's the most known, you know, mm-hmm. like, known one. Um, I don't even know if I like Midnight Express, to tell you the truth. No. Um, but, uh, but yeah, those are always, I guess it's just, like, because it's always immediately depressing, yeah. and there's almost nothing that you can really put in that makes it super exciting, and without being exploitation, that's why you have, like, caged heat and stuff like that <laughs> a caged heat reference that's right that's right isn't uh, midnight express the uh the reference for the cable guy yeah touch it yeah yeah i mean when at this point this was 2002 you say yeah so no, i well, was I, well i think well that was uh kind of my christmas i think broke down palace was 2002 as well somewhere in that area and i was what well, i was mid-20s no it was 99 all right, uh, two pretty girls. I like. I already have a crush on one of them, and it's about a women's prison. <laughs> I, there was no choice for me but to watch that movie. Now, as I'm older, that was not the lure this time. It was more of what did I think of that movie? Mm-hmm. I don't quite remember. That's now another one of those movies that uh, came out uh, like in the wake of the Sixth Sense. Like had no chance yeah. <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah. I feel like poor Claire Danes was like, "This is going to be my Shawshank Redemption." Yeah, <laughs> and she's just moping she around. Has, I mean. She's she's good in it. She has the most uh, emotional range in the film, where she, you know, she, you know that cry face that Claire describes. Oh, yeah. So she's got the cry face at times, and she's at some point she's one point she screams at the, I think it's the king, because there's like cops, but then and a legal system, but then at one point they get promised a pardon from the crown. Oh. Well, it might be a prince or something, mm-hmm. but it's some dude. They were lied to, by the way. He says no, oh. and then she starts screaming at him, which is what you do in Thailand. In the crown's royal chamber, when you're begging for a pardon, you yell at them and in call English. them names. She does this the whole movie, by the way. She smokes pot in the prison, and like Bill Pullman's constantly saying, like in Thailand, your entire personality is on trial here. If they can prove that you stole a coke ten years ago, it means that you are a thief, and like everything you do contributes to whether or not you ever get out of here. She just doesn't fucking care. She's just fighting people in the prison. She just, oh, she's angry. <laughs> anyway, don't watch that movie. <laughs> All right. Well, I've got a wreck of Warren, as I mentioned. Rekka, rekka. Um, 
I don't know why I don't like this movie. I should like this movie, but I don't think I like this movie. Blade Runner 2049. Ooh. Ah, man. And you could not get anybody that was more jazzed to see this this movie. Like, I actually like the original Mm. quite a bit. Um, The trailer looked amazing. Roger Deakins again. Denis Villeneuve Uh is the director. Ryan Gosling, who I'm always on board with. And it just seemed like a murderer's row of talent behind and in front of the camera. And so I was super psyched to watch this, did it this week. And the entire step of the way, I was just like, all right, this is going to get moving for me. This is, this is, I'm going to end up liking this at the end. And I, it does progressively get, you know, better and better and better. But at the end of it, man, at the end of, by the way, two hours and 41 minutes. I was going to say, it's like six Mm -hmm. hours long. Mm -hmm. It's fucking long. Like it, I understand why I think I understand why things were done the way they, they were done. I think I understand why he stretches out those scenes and stretches out those those little those beats and everything. I, it just didn't it didn't work. It's beautiful. The performances are fine. The music is fine, but it did not work for me. I felt the same with this movie as you guys thought of the first movie. Interesting. That and, might, might mean I love this one. Which man. is probably, you know, completely opposite from what most people think. Well, you liked this one, right? Yeah, I did. Now, what has happened ever since I have watched it is I've been asked about, I don't know, four or five times on Facebook what I think of this movie. And I said, well, I watched it in the theaters and I liked it. I'm looking forward to my second viewing to sort of make sure whatever. I don't hate the original Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. I think it is way overrated, though. That's my my main beef with it. Um, but it, it's it's a movie that I would think would normally like if it had some sort of cultish following, like Escape from New York mm-hmm. or something like that. I would like it a lot more or whatever. But you know, it's it's one of those just whatever. But the the this one I really liked. Um, but I'm gonna have to watch it a second time to really sort of like say, all right, did I really like that? Was I just sort of amazed by visuals when I first watched it and all that? Um, it's uh i don't know it's uh i'm gonna i'm just gonna have to watch it again Mm -hmm. Uh, Uh, yes the visuals are stunning mm -hmm. especially the las vegas stuff Mm -hmm. um the way that they present las vegas visually is crazy by the way thinking about like this versus i mean this is only do the math 32 years in the future right uh I don't know. Like, are well, you twenty forty nine? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yes. I don't know when the. I, I mean, I guess you're talking about from actual time. Like, was yeah, it? I guess because was, the first was one was the, in twenty nineteen. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. It was twenty nineteen. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So but it's the, yeah, it's thirty two years from now or thirty one now. Yeah, or, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, the way that they present Vegas is just so weird, and it is Vegas, but it's like completely futuristic, but then dystopic. They've got these giant statues, some of which were in the trailer, these giant statues of naked women doing all kinds of weird sex acts and everything. <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> and that, but there's just so much lingering. You remember, I think we actually wrote a sin about this, about how in the original, it, it just goes on and yeah. on and on with nothing happening. Mm-hmm. And it does this in, in this. Almost every part drags on, I think, far too long. Now- Eventually, there's a scene involving Harrison Ford towards the end uh, where it takes him a while to get to an emotional place, and he does eventually get there. And when he does get there, it's kind of satisfying, but it takes him goddamn forever to get there. And it's like, 
did I really need to see that lead up all the way? They just cut to it to him crying. Okay, we're good. We're no. good. You know. All I'm gonna say is when I was, it was two hours and forty minutes, but it was one of the rare movies that did that that I didn't feel like I was looking at my you know phone looking at the time a lot. And that's a lot of people have your opinion. Probably the vast majority. But do. like I said, gonna have to watch it again because it could be one of those where on the second viewing you just kind of start seeing. All right could we have done something about this mm-hmm. you know that would have been but uh i i really liked it i um i did i do question sort of jared leto's character of yep. well but, he's he bothers me on a lot of different yeah, levels <laughs> um but uh you know overall I, I i was i was down for it so i i don't know it would definitely be a wreck of warn because I'm recommending it and you're sort of Yeah, like, I mean, I would say it's it's worth watching just kind of go into it knowing that it may not be all that you are, are anticipating. The other thing is it relies a lot on the on the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when Aaron uh, Dicer saw it and I, I remember talking to him about it and he was like, you don't have to see the original to, to really enjoy this one. I think you you do. I think you need to have a lot of the backstory uh, in order for for this to come out. But anyway, just know that going into it, it it wasn't near my expectations. It's not to say that it's terrible or that it's not even good. It just wasn't. It didn't work for me. Well, I'm less excited about watching it now. <laughs> Appreciate that. I do. I mean, part of me wants to say I wish Denis Villeneuve would concentrate on original stuff. Mm-hmm. But even Arrival was based on a short story, uh, adapting somebody else's work. He's doing Dune next. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish he would have skipped this and done Dune yeah. straight away after Arrival because he does have he does have a lot of talent and visual flair. And it's Blade Runner never felt like a movie that needed a sequel, much less uh, one thirty two years later or whatever the fuck. No, um, and I haven't seen it. Maybe something in the movie will make me go, "This had to be made." It's in, it, uh, the concept is actually interesting. Uh, about what just the questions that were brought up in the the original about what it means to be alive and to have worth and things like that versus the replicants versus the humans and it gets taken to another degree uh in in this movie i think to it was one of my favorite parts of the movie was the joy character um the the pleasure system basically um (laughs) not for the reasons that you're probably thinking uh but, but uh yeah, I, those concepts I think are are fine and are interesting, and it's worthwhile to I think continue that. But it's all the other stuff that I didn't. Like. Yeah, all right. but yeah. yeah, I can't wait for his Dune. That'll be fun. I can't wait for his Dune. Yeah, I want his Dune. Yeah, I want man. his Dune. So, do we want to move to our fantasy casting sure. this week? Is this just fantasy? No stars. No stars. I want Bruce Willis. Not Bruce Willis. No Schwarzenegger. Junior Robbins. This is bad. Bad for movie stars everywhere. So this is kind of a, a loose association, but I love the idea of this movie being recasted. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson just you know had Phantom Thread nominated for an Oscar, so we're going to do another Paul Thomas Anderson movie, Boogie Nights. Mm-hmm. This has a massive cast. Yes, it does. So why don't we dig in and see what we can do and what kind of movie we're going to make and who's going to be in it. What right. do you think, Chris? Okay, so for Dirk Diggler, I'm going to go with Lucas Hedges. 
who uh wow um, i thought maybe you'd found a way to do like an all hispanic no i did not um but uh lucas hedges i think has the has sort of the the power that uh you know could do a dirk diggler he's got the touch yeah this uh, is the guy from Get Out that played the brother. No, this is uh, the kid from Manchester by the Manchester Sea. Manchester by the Sea. So. Yeah, um, Mark Wahlberg was 26 when he did Boogie Nights. Yeah, it's hard to believe. It is. Um, uh, now I don't, I don't know if we have anybody that young who has that sort of, I don't know, that fresh-faced, maybe good-looking type of. I think Lucas Hedges fits the bill enough on this, and he's obviously a better actor than Wahlberg. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I think he would be he would be good as this, especially as somebody who's you know you can see him actually coming out of high school and everything. Wahlberg seemed very much like a guy in his mid twenties. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you know they, they, that's what we forget about the Dirk Diggler characters. He's basically just out of high school. He's like eighteen or nineteen. Yeah, living with his mom. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think Lucas Hedges can do that. For Jack Horner, I have Steve Carell. Ah. Um. <laughs> think that would be a a uh. Perfect. Uh, it's amazing they got Burt Reynolds in the in the first one. I feel like. Does he um, like this performance? I forget. Well, he doesn't like the movie. He, he doesn't like the movie. He thinks it's too uh, provocative. Is is what I remember him. The he was quotes. there when they filmed it, right? Yeah, and he read the script <laughs> and everything. Well, and no, everybody regrets doing this movie. Didn't Wahlberg say that they would like cost yeah, him some I of his soul did. or something like that? I, I don't know. He yeah. apologized for it. Yeah, to, for the church, like a church meeting for a Catholic thing. Like yeah, I I don't. Uh, that's really interesting because that's what <laughs> took him off with yeah, exactly. Boogie Nights. Um, but uh, Steve Carell, I think, would do a good Jack Horner. Like I can, Carell, it's it's but. It's hard for me to believe, like, after seeing this guy on The Daily Show and doing, like, Anchorman and Bruce Almighty and all that, that all of his, like, uh, weighty dramatic roles, he's just so good in them. Yep. Mm -hmm. He's just solid. And uh, and so, like, I, I feel like he would be a good Jack Horner. It started with uh, uh, Little Miss Sunshine, I guess, right? Was his yeah, first that would be, turn? Yeah, that would be the first time I think I ever saw him, like, super, like, dramatic or whatever, even though he's got, you know, some Yeah, you know, it was a good bridge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, I mean, ever since, ever, almost everything that I see him in where he's just doing a drama, you're like, God, where – you started on the daily show you were you were the uh, one of the correspondents yeah. you know and everything now you're like an awesome actor i don't get it yeah. um amber waves i've got andrea riseborough now i don't know if you guys know who she is I she's don't. been in a million things she was in birdman she was the girl that uh told uh, michael keaton she was pregnant oh okay um, oh wow she's in oblivion uh-huh she's the tom cruise's wife and that she's in a million things she was in battle of the sexes um but uh i feel like now you can obviously she's tom cruise's wife or former wife which girl in oblivion the redhead or the she's brunette? the main other actress in oblivion okay but in the beginning he's with a redhead up in the sky thing and then they find the girl oh, that was his real yeah, wife. Yeah, yeah, not not Olga Korolenko. Okay, who's okay, the, okay, okay. Who's the, the, the other redhead, one. the main, the other main one. All right, 
that's her. Um, now and now she's redheaded. I guess you can you can pretty much make anybody redheaded yeah. if you wanted to. But in it, with Amber Waves, they you know he picked Julianne Moore, who mm-hmm. you know I, let's go for the natural, right? I mean maybe Andrew Risebow isn't natural. Maybe I just think she is or whatever. Well. Who knows? But anyway, that's the first one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you just see the wheels turning. That's really what we're talking about without actually talking about it. I oh, mean, I wonder if her carpet matches the pubes. Yeah. Um, for Reed Rothschild, who's the John C. Riley character, I have Adam Driver. Oh, nice. Mm. Uh, you know, and, and, and John C. Riley obviously has got that that look that's like whoa you're a porn star really <laughs> and and uh hard to believe also john c Riley was 32 i believe when boogie wow. nights came out and he had been around for a while yeah yeah um uh, but uh doesn't he fuck like a champ he does man <laughs> um, what do you bench yeah <laughs> but uh but uh, adam driver i i think he's he's probably considered good looking or whatever but he's got an unusual look mm-hmm. i think yeah. uh, and i think that and, and and maybe i'm basing too much on what the other actors were playing or whatever but i feel like adam driver could fit that rerun now he might be too big to play such a character role now but i don't know i feel like he would be great in that role yeah no i like it uh for buck swope i have lakeith stanfield oh man that's perfect yeah um and i can't wait to start seeing him in a million things because mm-hmm. i think he's gonna blow up at some point uh if he hasn't really already you know with all the stuff that he is atlanta and get out and mm-hmm. all that um but um but i i think he would be a good book swoop uh for little bill uh which is the william h macy character i have walton goggins oh Oh, yeah that's a good one um so yeah i think he would be good in that roller girl have cara delavine um now i was an androgynous roller girl yeah yeah now she can she can pull off being like smoking hot no i don't disagree at all um but now i i was conscious during this that when we were casting these I understand that there's people out there who are like, you just want to see her naked, don't you? <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to worry myself with that. But no, that's not the reason I picked these people or whatever. If, if that was the case, I'd pick a litany. Of other yeah, well, everybody's <laughs> naked in this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Except for Jack Horner, I guess. Right, right. Uh, but uh, yeah, Cara Delevingne looks like somebody who has, and now she's actually in high school taking classes, Roller Girl is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she's either underage or barely 18. And Cara Delevingne, I think, could play that. Now, Heather Graham was 27. When, really? Yeah. She pulls off looking like a teenager pretty good in this, I think, wow. or younger. But uh, Cara Delevingne, I think, uh, probably looks a little bit more like someone straight out of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but can she roller skate? Oh, boy. <laughs> Might have to have a two-week course or something. Oh, uh, she's got to work on that accent, too, man. Mm. Like, you know, the Brits are so much better about doing an american accent than americans are at a british accent mm. but man hers gets lost a lot mm. well, yeah, i didn't even know she keep, was british you just keep her british and and a british roller girl yeah why not interesting uh and then uh i mean I, was heather graham like really amazing i mean are we gonna fuck yeah <laughs> oh yes i mean uh <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, she was she was good. It wasn't like that's not the the you know the performance in the movie you're going to focus on really. <laughs> um, 
Scotty J, which is the Philip Seymour Hoffman character, I have Ezra Miller playing that one. Oh, oh. I could see that. Yeah, uh, I think Ezra Miller is 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 sort of is like a Philip Seymour Hoffman almost. Like, I think he can play anything. Mm-hmm. I think he's one of our our best like up and coming actors mm-hmm. and everything, and he's very young. I think he I think he could do anything that Philip Seymour Hoffman does at, at, down the line. Mm-hmm. Interesting, uh, and I think he could play Scotty J pretty well, um, especially if you watch stuff like Perks of Being a Wallflower mm-hmm. and and that cameo he has in Trainwrecked and all that. He can do oh, pretty yeah. much and, uh, <laughs> and uh, the uh, you know who is he in Trainwreck? <laughs> he's the <laughs> underage guy that Amy Schumer brings. back back and like thinks that she's gonna fuck him and everything until he she realizes oh. that he's like 16 yeah he's 16 um he keeps, oh that's a hilarious scene you should yeah, watch that again oh yeah uh for rahad jackson um i have peter sarsgaard playing that rahad jackson's the alfred molina character oh nice uh, oh yeah man peter sarsgaard in that would yeah, be awesome yeah. i think um for todd parker which is the thomas jane character i have jesse eisenberg Oh, Ooh, that's an interesting term. Thomas Jane was like 27 or 28 when he did this. And he was essentially, I don't think he, I've ever seen him play a part like this. No, again. he's always been an every man. He looks exactly like Aaron Eckhart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he he's always played this every man dude. The Aaron Brockovich. And, yeah. You know, well, that's Aaron Brockovich. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for smoking. Yeah, the Dark Knight. Exactly, the Dark Knight. All those movies that Thomas Jane's known for. Okay, so uh, when we're done with your recasting, I want to tell a Dark Knight anecdote. Okay. Uh, for the Colonel, which is the Robert Ridgely character who uh, ends up in jail at the end of it. Right, uh, Lisa? Uh, Kevin Klein, I'm going to have for oh, him. Man, I want to see more Kevin Klein these I days. I do too. It's been a long time since we've seen him, you know, he, he used to be in everything. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, maybe maybe family life got to him or whatever. He needed to spend time with the kids or something. But uh, yeah. it's time now, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Motherfucker. Uh, he's got such perfect comic timing. Yeah, he does. And he's about he's over seventy now. Mm-hmm. And I think wow. Robert Ridgely was around that around that age. He's old enough to be in one of those Las Vegas movies. Yeah, he is. <laughs> But, uh, okay, so for Floyd Floyd Gondoli, the Philip Baker Hall character, I have J.K. Simmons. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, uh, he had Floyd, <laughs> Philip Baker Hall has probably one of the best lines in Boogie Nights. Yes, he does. <laughs> where he's like, I like the simple things in life. I like butter in my ass, lollipops in my mouth. <laughs> That's and, just me. <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> you can see Robert Ridgely in the background cracking up for real in the background during that scene. Because it's said so casually. Because <laughs> yes. everything else is like, you know, here's, here's, you got to go to VHS, Jim. Listen, I like the simple things. Butter in my ass, lollipop in my ass. That's just me. And what I really like is to see people fucking. I really like to see people fucking on film. Um, so uh, you can see J.K. Simmons saying that shit, too. Oh, yeah. That's um, awesome. For Maurice, the Luis Guzman character, I have Lavelle Crawford, who's Huel of Breaking Bad fame. Oh, Huel. Yeah. Huel. Give Huel some more work. That's right. <laughs> Lavelle Crawford, who I believe is a stand-up comic uh, in when he's not at, when he's not doing acting oh. and stuff like that. I think he's a... I like that the introduction to the Huel character essentially is that uh, like he has to go blow up 
um, Walter's bathroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, like, knocks on the door and Saul's like, can you use your bathroom? Digestive issues. And he just, like, this 500-pound dude just yeah. ambles up the stairs. Yeah. And I think it's the first time we hear his name, too. And they're yeah. like, yeah, Huel needs to use it or whatever. And, <laughs> and like, Anna Gunn or somebody's like, Huel? <laughs> um, and for Becky Barnett, uh, you know, you want my vagina clean, don't you? <laughs> 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 I have uh, Naturi Naughton, who uh, played Lil' Kim in Notorious. Oh, interesting. Never saw Notorious. Um, she's been in a ton of things, but that's her biggest role, is playing Lil' Kim in Notorious. And uh, I like that movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I like that pop song. What's no, that? No, no, no. <laughs> Duran Duran. Notorious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, the Alfred Hitchcock film. Um, uh, I know that there's other, like Ricky Jay has a character in there. I didn't have anything for him, but I know there's like a million others. That oh, we yeah. Could no, probably we could come up with. Gone uh, down the rabbit hole. I like your cast. All right. Awesome. I, think, I think we made a sin about this in the Dark Knight Sins video. Mm-hmm. But my biggest pet peeve with this movie, I have a few, and it's one of my favorite movies ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, my biggest pet peeve is that uh, about partway through the movie, when Morgan Freeman finds out money's been funneled into this secret division for a project he doesn't know about. Uh, he talks to Bruce Wayne about it, and Bruce Wayne is like, I'm kind of keeping this one close to the vest. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then later, when Batman rescues Harvey Dent um, from the Joker's attack, Dent, the, the doors get opened, and there's Commissioner Gordon, or Detective Gordon, who's supposed to be dead, and he says, oh, Gordon, you do like to play things close to the chest. Now, there's several <laughs> things about this that bother me. Mm-hmm. First of all, Basically the same phrase, twice in one movie. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever noticed that shit. Second of all, the, it's Bruce Wayne. It's two. It's four characters. Like the, the he Two Face and Gordon weren't there when Batman said it to Morgan that's Freeman. That's yep. true. So it can't even be a callback. I guess that's why he screwed up the phrase. <laughs> and it yeah. really bothers me. Okay, so then yesterday I'm reading this article that somebody had done an interview. Uh, with Christopher Nolan and then specifically for this article I was reading how to pull a quote for him talking about the way Heath Ledger went about the performance in mm-hmm. that and the, the point of the quote is basically he didn't really tell Nolan everything he was going to do he kind of gave him a general idea because he wanted to keep it spontaneous and oh. the last line of the quote from Nolan in this interview is I think he was playing his cards close to the chest on that character <laughs> <laughs> I think Christopher Nolan's obsessed with this phrase. Apparently. Yeah. I hate that fucking phrase. I don't like it. I don't like that it appears twice in with different variations in the same movie between characters that never heard the first. In, yeah, but now he's, st- he's still saying it. It's yeah. 10 years later. Nobody it's still says just that. coming out of his mouth. Yes. Yeah, that was, uh, we, you know, we did do that in the Sins video for sure. I remember this. Uh, I know I read something in Cracked also uh, where they brought this up. And I don't remember which one came first, but I... I remember seeing that in cracked as well um that is such a weird thing in that movie because it's clear that he thought that those two characters had said that to each other before so maybe it was a scene that was cut out or maybe he really was thinking of this other scene with two completely different other characters Mm -hmm. but he watched the film before it was released right Mm -hmm. like the first time i saw the movie i caught that yeah yeah but it it could be something you know that just you just dismiss even as a director you're just like oh yeah yeah that's you know totally 
I know what that means. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Anyway, so. it drives me crazy. And yeah. then he, now he's still tossing. It's like he's taunting me. <laughs> it's like he knows I hate that. <laughs> he's definitely, always going to read he's that definitely article. taunting you. <laughs> I'm going to go watch it. Inception again tonight. I guarantee you somebody says that in there. Yeah. Well, yeah. You do like Probably to keep so. your dreams close to the chest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> me? What's your, your cast? My cast. My cast. So I, I want to change it up a little bit, right? If I'm going to remake this movie with a, with modern talent, I'm going to go with kind of a raunch comedy Judd Apatow style. I like this. Of telling this story. And I think that necessitates removing some of the epicness. Because mm-hmm. this movie goes from like, what, late 70s all the way through the 90s? Close yeah, to the end of the eighties. It's seventies to eighties. Okay, think. so it spans two decades. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut back on some of that, and just for some spice. For some reason, I decided to make a murder mystery part of this. Oh. somebody accidentally dies. Nobody knows who, but it was somebody in this porn family that did it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm doing that, but I am. <laughs> so now, if with the Apatowian raunch comedy feel uh-huh. in mind, we're still gonna be R-rated. It's still gonna be nudity. These people are still gonna be showing their dicks and things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to be funny. It's dicks be straight and straight out comedy. Dicks, yeah. and, dicks and things. Bits and pieces. You want my thing clean, don't you? Uh, for Dirk Diggler, I'm going to go with our boy Zach Efron. Give him a chance <laughs> to our stretch boy. a little yeah. bit. A little bit. He can still kind of play. He can still kind of play like a high school or college kind of kid. I think he? so. He's going to be one of those guys that can Even do that he's, until he's 50. He's, yeah. he's 30 now. Yeah, that's old. He's, he's getting a little bit veiny, though. A little veiny? Yeah. I mean, he's just... Perfect for Dirk Diggler, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. It's just so goddamn... Yeah. Carved. Yeah. It's like... Uh, Plus, I'd like to believe he don't, he wouldn't need a prosthetic for the final shot of the film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have I have this feeling that Zac Efron has a huge dick. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. <laughs> All right. Jack Horner, which is Burt Reynolds, I'm going to bring in Will Ferrell. Yeah. Gonna, oh, he's nice. going to get a little skeezy. Oh, my God. He can he's totally the, play this. He'll, yeah. he'll be the perfect Jack Horner in this movie. No. <laughs> Yeah, to see him looking straight ahead, and she says, "Are we gonna fuck?" Oh yeah! Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> In many ways, this is like a greatest hits of Apatow's movies. Yeah. Basically, just stealing people from all of his good movies. Uh, all right, Amber Waves, right? Uh-huh. All right. Mm-hmm. All right, Julianne Moore. I'm going with Leslie Mann. Yeah, Apatow's oh, yeah, wife. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's, she's right around the right age. Right around the right age. Mm-hmm. Could play that motherly motherly kind of thing pretty well. Mm-hmm. She's funny. Mm-hmm. She's Comfortable with her body, yeah. Um, dye her hair red, right? Um, the character? Could well, just that was an interesting long. thing, right? Like, I, I don't want to mean to be on a nudity ch- tangent here, but <laughs> I'm about to go on a nudity <laughs> tangent. Ah, awesome. Um, but uh, it was the change up, I believe, where like it's Jason Bateman and Ryan Reynolds. Is that what the movie? The uh, yeah. Up? Well, it's another one of those switch identities. It's switch identities. Yeah. So there's a nude scene for Leslie Mann in that, but it was completely digital. Yeah. Huh. And and like and even uh, Olivia Wilde, who has no trouble getting naked in movies, was digital nudity or whatever. And they're like, okay, all right, so we're doing digital nudity now, all right. And then later on, and this is forty, Leslie Mann like made a big deal about when I go into the breast exam thing, that is me right yeah. there, and it's like, oh okay yeah. why did why did we go one way in this one movie and then not you know i don't understand that i don't understand the politics of that uh, it's, it's probably helped that with this is 40 it was her husband yeah behind the camera that might have he might have been able to make a safer environment for and her own kids are playing her kids in the movie mm-hmm. yeah. how would you feel if you were that kid I don't know. dad talks about you in stand-up comedy you see your mom naked 
in the movie that you're in. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a weird life. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. Let's move on. Reed Rothschild, John C. Riley character. I'm going with Brian Gosling. Ooh. And I want him to channel that nice guy's character. Oh, yeah. Bring the comedy. Yeah. Um, he was really funny on SNL, too, I think. He was. Um, and I just think there's comedy there. I want I want to bring him into the Apatow fold. He's got to just tamp down that fake ass Brooklyn accent that he has occasionally, mm. and do like a La La Land. He was very good in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. He's very good in the Nice Guys. Like he's really starting to, I guess, like develop a little bit more. Do you think he has an affected Brooklyn accent? I do. I do. Like and he's trying to do that. Correct. Yeah. Right around Crazy Stupid Love, I think is where it got the worst. Hmm. All right. So for Buck Swope, the Don Cheadle character, I'm going with Gerard Carmichael. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. Gerard, not Gerard, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. The guy who in Neighbors Two says sometimes you gotta suck a dick. That's to right. Know you don't like sucking. Jer- dick. <laughs> he is awesome. His stand up is awesome. Yeah, his stand up is funny great. as fuck in everything I've ever Apparently seen. Apparently, yeah. his, his sitcom, sitcom is really was good. supposed yeah. to be great too, but they canceled it. Mm. Uh, well, let's give him some work. I like that guy. Uh, Little Bill, William H Macy. I'm going with Bill Hader. Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, I just re- mostly just I want him to do that one line. Yeah. Where my <laughs> wife's got a ass in her cock in the driveway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I realized yesterday Pineapple Express was on, and uh, he has nearly stolen so many great comedies, because mm-hmm. he's like the black and white guy smoking item nine down in the military bunker yeah. at the beginning of Pineapple Express, and just like, <laughs> item nine is the bee's knees! <laughs> <laughs> and like they, he, his thing goes out, and he's like, can I get a light? And they're like, well, send someone in, and a guy in like a scuba costume comes in, <laughs> the face Bill Hader makes when he looks at it, because he's totally stoned, but he's also freaking out about this guy. God, I love Bill Hader. Um, uh, but he also nearly steals forgetting Sarah Marshall yeah, a couple yeah, different yeah. times. He just, he's just solid. Uh, Roller Girl, Heather Graham. I'm going with Kat Dennings. Yeah, Kat Dennings. Oh, she's maybe a man. little older than. Yeah, Kat Dennings. I don't know if she is can pull a, off a high school girl. I think she's above thirty. At this I point. think she is at this point. Yeah. Um, I made t- but, horrible choices on my age. But I mean, it's not like she can't play younger, like like college age or anything like that. There's some actors you you watch them age and everything, and even though they've uh even though they're like you know in their 30s they still seem like they can do the 20s where mm-hmm. some don't it's mm-hmm. just well it's also a scientific fact if you put a girl in pigtails she immediately de-ages 10 years that's true <laughs> it's very true <laughs> i didn't feel like that was that wrong until i was done saying it and i was like well why did i, I say way, this i've been way through like well my committed <laughs> that's right might as well keep going uh scotty the philip seymour hoffman super awkward guy with the crush on margie mark it's going to be Clark Duke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love me some Clark Duke. I do, too. Mm-hmm. And it's weird to me that he's not more popular or famous than he is. Because yeah. uh, he's generally pretty good in everything I've seen him in. It just feels like his co-stars always end up outshining him and getting more of the know, attention. Oh, man. He steals sex drive completely. Yeah. That movie. Oh, yeah. And, and, uh, and I feel like he's he's memorable in other stuff that I can't remember right I mean, now. He was in Bad Moms for yeah. like two seconds. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem. He'll get into something for like three seconds. And yeah. it's just, you know, he's gone after that. But he started his career with Michael Sarah. Yep. They used to do all those online videos yeah. and stuff. And I thought he was going to be just based on knowing Michael Sarah. He was going to go. Right. But yeah, he's always been that kind of like, oh, yeah, I forgot about yeah. him type of actor that they put in movies. Um. Isn't he in Kick-Ass? 
Isn't he one of his friends? Kick-ass his friends? Oh, I think he is, yeah. I think he is. All right, uh, moving on. I'm, I'm dragging us down. I'm going to steal one of Chris's, but in a different role. And for the colonel, I'm going to go with Steve Carell. Oh, <laughs> there we go. I think he could you put some aging makeup uh-huh. on him. Um, I think he'd play, do good playing a, a pervert. Uh, Rahad Jackson, the Alfred Molina guy, the crazy guy on coke shooting a gun around. Uh, I'm going to give that to Danny McBride. Oh okay. yeah, 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 perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was it? Isn't it Sister Christian that's playing in the in that yeah, scene? Yeah. Well, a part of it. I think there's more than one song that plays. Yeah, in that there's scene. a couple. Yeah. Um, and the guy's lighting up caps. It's an unsettling <laughs> scene. <laughs> it is. All right. So for the Thomas Jane character, I said any Hemsworth brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, not, I get called out uh, because. It's uh, Miley is dating Liam Hemsworth, not Luke. I said Luke last week. That's all right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I get them all. The, all my the reply, non-Chris Hemsworths yes. run together. My uh, reply was there are too many Hemsworths. That was, <laughs> that was a thing that I did not pick up on during the actual recording. And then I heard it in the uh, actual, like, go, going back over. And I was like, eh, I mean, what am I going to yeah, do? Yeah. I'm going to tell you, like, it's Luke. I'm sorry. And <laughs> there's nothing you can do about it. You know? <laughs> Nice job, Barrett. You fuck up. Exactly. Um, for the Philip Baker Hall character, I'm going to give that to Adam Sandler. Oh, oh I like that a yeah, lot. Yeah. Again, I can see him saying that line yeah. and uh, selling the gruffness of that character. And then <laughs> you for- realize this movie, even though those lines that, are, that we're talking about are going to be in there, there's going to be a whole bunch of other lines. Oh, yeah. That's going to be improv out the ass. <laughs> yeah. You get all these people together. Uh, all right. The last two, the Luis Guzman character, I'm giving to Jonah Hill. Oh, nice. Yeah. Even though I guess he's slimmed down enough, he's not going to look physically as much like Louise Guzman as he would have like five years ago. Um, <clears throat> and then for the Becky Barnett, you want my vagina clean, don't you? Yeah. Uh, Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. Nice. Zoe Kravitz. And, uh, <laughs> honestly, if I had a chance, I would put Zoe Kravitz in basically every movie I made. Yeah. Yeah. I would be. I'd be down with that. Yeah. She's just I think she's earned that through sheer nepotism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her dad alone. I have so much respect for the man. I'm just Do you kidding. really? Okay, good. No, she's hot, and I was trying <laughs> yeah. not to sound like a pervert. Right. Uh, my version is going to take on a different Paul Thomas Anderson uh, type of vibe. So I like Inherent Vice. I've, I've decided I like it. In fact, uh-huh. I, re- I really like it. You had to decide it, though. I like it. Well, that no, tells I, you yeah, something. Yeah. But it's got this smoky haze over the entirety of it, you know? Mm. Like, nothing's very sharp. Maybe just the, the stuff with Martin Short, but like... Everything else is just kind of like this vague stoner type of vibe. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of vibe I'm going for. Is Southern California stoner vibe here. So for my Dirk Diggler, I'm going to go with Dane DeHaan. Yeah. Ah. Dane DeHaan. Dean DeHane. I'm starting yeah. to think is a bad actor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but so was Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I did not realize, because I hadn't seen Chronicle in a while, and we did Valerian. This is his voice, I guess. The way that he talks uh, like man. this. Yeah, I mean, oh, man. I don't like being mean. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, there are many times we'll write things in scripts and I'm like, that's kind of mean. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to go that far <laughs> and everything. Um, it's somebody that I feel like can be good if you put him in the right thing, but everything I've seen him in... <laughs> amazing spider-man and like you yeah. know uh and i saw that cure for wellness and all mm-hmm. that i saw that there's there's something about him yeah what is it i don't know i don't it, it's just so He's goddamn got this goofy. weird weird thing about I, him man i know i know and, and that it, didn't that's how he talks this mm. is how it talks <laughs> <I have laughs> ain't you seen my movies <laughs> yeah 
yeah. So anyway, but I think he can play this blank slate. I know he's a little bit too old for the role, but uh, I think he can play this blank slate of stoner, Wahlbergy type of yeah. uh, character that you know probably has a giant penis. Right. <clears throat> so going on this stoner weird affectation vibe. My uh, Jack Horner is going to be Keanu Reeves. Oh my God! Oh, wow, man, we're like hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to see them talking so that we'll know who who's <laughs> saying exactly what. The same actor, exactly. Yeah. But Keanu is now what fifty two or something yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah, so he's right. He's still a little bit younger, I guess, than Burt Reynolds. How was no how was Burt Reynolds? Burt Reynolds was, I think, in his sixties when he did. Uh, boogie nights um he was uh, yeah he was 61 when okay he did. Um, but canoe's getting up there and i think he could probably play like a uh kingpin of a porn empire yeah yeah especially in this universe uh for amber waves i really like this choice the julianne moore character katherine watterson yeah yeah uh who was literally in inherent vice yes, yes she uh, was. and has worked with paul thomas anderson before and i think she can play like wizened motherly cracked out um, she's about the same age that julianne moore was in uh boogie nights too. all right so, nailed it yep nailed it uh for the reed rothschild john c Riley character i'm uh glad that you didn't choose this for your apatow thing seth rogan oh uh, yeah well i just felt like well actually no you wrote your answers first that's why i didn't choose seth oh, okay yeah seth rogan could probably dig deep and kind of come up with obviously got the stoner vibe yep yep um and and kind of become the buddy with uh dane DeHaan here mm-hmm. uh for buck swope uh for the don Cheadle character i actually wrote a note about this i didn't want to i actually wanted to cast a black actor in this role because it's part of his character mm-hmm. I, I think that's important to keep that character african-american so donald glover um your atlanta co-star yeah. uh donald glover has that kind of chill appearance mm-hmm. in a lot of the stuff that he does even when he's playing a nerd in the martian like he's just kind of got this like uh it's not a stoner vibe but it's kind of a chill vibe yeah right. Right. um for the little bill william h macy uh <laughs> i don't know where the fuck this came from david crumholtz <laughs> oh yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> I, it literally just jumped into my brain because I was thinking about like, like that guy. Yeah, sh- he is schlubby. He's unkempt. Yeah, he's put upon. He's neurotic. And David Crumholtz, who I guess is probably best known for Harold and Kumar yeah, movies, Numbers. Yeah. Oh, Numbers. I never, I never. Did you watch Numbers? I watched all of Numbers. Yeah, I, I watched the show. first. Interesting. Two or three seasons of it, and then I got tired. It of was it. one of the last the Rob Marles. Yeah, Rob Marles and. Yeah. Uh, their dad was Judd uh, Hirsch. Yeah, Judd Hirsch. Interesting. And one of the reasons I liked that show, it was very good. It ended every single episode with just a an upbeat brother moment or father son moment or family moment. Every single time, like the show was almost as much about the, the three of their relationships as it was everything else. Preposterous premise. Yeah, that the FBI is going to start regularly bringing in a mathematician to help them solve crimes faster. Uh, and they it got a little goofy the ways they kept trying to keep him involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I like that show. David Krumholz is a super likable guy. Yeah, yeah, he could totally do it. Uh, for my roller girl, I'm going to go with Bella Thorne. Yep, yep. <laughs> oh, she's already living this. Yeah. I don't know what to make of Bella Thorne. Now, she's on, what is she, what was her best, Disney. her biggest? I mean, she, yeah, I guess Disney, and then she was on that MTV Scream uh, right, right, for, right, for right. a series, like for a two episodes i think she's known for tabloid news she's as known much for as anything social else. media more than like an actual show yeah, but although, that's kind of perfect for this role i saw her in that movie that jonathan was talking about about the babysitter uh 
that oh was she in that she's in that that was the first time i thought she was really like i I really noticed acting as Uh far as like everything else i've seen her in she they have put her in as eye candy or whatever and uh but that one was that one was pretty good wasn't she in the medea movie yeah she was (laughs) (laughs) was she in the 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 frat party thing? I don't remember. No, she I just was remember one of the friends. Yeah, one of the uh, girls, one of the daughter's friends or something. Yeah, she and then was, she was in that Amityville remake. That, yeah, she was in the, that we tried to come out with the Amityville horror movies <laughs> videos. For a year and a half. For a year and a half. They um, fucked us. Uh, yeah, speaking but of But no, fucking, she would be perfect for Roller Girl, yeah, girl yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, Scotty J, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Okay, I reached a little bit for this because he's too old, but Jack Black. Obviously has the stoner vibe. Mm-hmm. Obviously has the can be awkward and stuff like that. Doesn't you know? Looked it looked like Philip Seymour Hoffman was much older than Mark Wahlberg, even though he had this almost childlike demeanor. You mm-hmm. know, so I think he could play that. Uh, I like Rahad Jackson, the Alfred Molina character. Is going to be James Franco. Mm-hmm. This ah. is bad timing, but can't you imagine him out there in his robe waving oh, his fucking gun around? Perfect, perfect I can for him. <laughs> yep, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so. Uh, it's actually almost like a miracle that Alfred Molina, who's not known for that kind of character, mm-hmm. could pull that character off so perfectly, mm-hmm. you know? I love that. Uh, for I, I went big for my last three picks, by the way. For the Colonel, for the Robert Ridgely character, I'm going with Bobby D, Robert De Niro. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. I hear you have a massive, <laughs> a large cock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> Imagine De Niro saying that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i think it'd be fun uh for the floyd gondoli the, the philip baker hall uh is gonna be john travolta okay <laughs> oh wow okay travolta and de niro back together again yes i like butter in my ass <laughs> and a lollipop in my mouth <laughs> yeah that's just me exactly you know yeah uh, i think it'd be fun as hell yeah uh and for my todd my todd parker the thomas jane character can't get better than Ben Foster. Oh, Ben yeah, Foster's yep, the best. Yep. Ben Foster uh, is the best. Thomas Jane, though, goes for, like from zero to 60 quickly mm-hmm. in that movie. In, in the safe, <laughs> under the bed. There's, no, we're not going to go anywhere unless get the fucking safe and the fucking money. The fucking- <laughs> I don't know why they don't fucking leave. They just stick around. Yeah. They see the guns come yeah. out. And they're like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Hell on, you puppies. <laughs> <laughs> you want to do some questions? Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. Questions. Okay. Um. Question for you guys. What movie do you really enjoy about a topic that you couldn't care less about? Hold on. Mm. Is it could care less or couldn't care less? It is could couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. So this this is an educated. Li- We've got educated people in our I audience. Think, I, I do think it's very much like regardless and irregardless in it, that it is but they're people just accept it wrong i mean like it's it's yes they people know what you mean communication just means we know what you mean when you say it <laughs> mm-hmm. it's still wrong i don't care <laughs> well, yeah, could care less means you could care less like i can care less than this right so yeah i i agree i think people know what you mean when mm-hmm. you say i've said could care less a million times yeah 
uh, but it's wrong. <laughs> anyway, but this this listener is correct, so congratulations there. Uh, anyway, what movie could you really enjoy about a topic you couldn't care less about? For example, baseball puts this person to sleep, but they think Moneyball is awesome and has seen it many times. Mm-hmm. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much. That's a great question. Even though in a way, we are going to be doing reductionist type of thing here because mm-hmm. a lot of the movies that we find fascinating – you know, we're going to be like, well, that's really when you just narrow it down to its very essence is just about this. Right. Even though there's so much more going on. So like Moneyball could have been about just stats and like a bunch of like, you know, data, like Goodwill hunting shit mm-hmm. coming or whatever. But uh, but it's, you know, it's got a family drama in it. It's got his own personal whatever. So there's a lot of things in Moneyball that I mean, it's not even you don't really see much baseball in Moneyball. Yeah, I guess not. Um, yeah. But. Uh, I know what I know what he means. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, it's uh, so like Chinatown yeah. is a it's a murder mystery. It may disqualify it because there is a murder involved. But think about what the story is behind it. Mm-hmm. It's about a water shortage in California. Yeah, and it, incest and incest. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, um, it's uh, it's about. Um, it's about a wealthy person going around buying a whole bunch of land to put the water in the right spot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just, he's going to deliver the water to this new neighborhood and so on and so forth. That's the like real backdrop of yep. Chinatown. Yep. It's also deliberately paced too. Yeah. It's not like, you know, slam bang Nicholson's out there beating ass or anything right. like that like yeah. it's it's about water shortage and it takes its time right yeah so like you see him going around like you know looking at the land and all this other type of stuff and it's like yeah but then yeah then you add other elements to right. the movie and it's very exciting um another one that i thought of was stand and deliver right mm. um this is a movie with edward james almost where he teaches I guess kids that are normally not put into classes like this, he tries to teach them calculus. Yeah. And uh, and so the movie is about fucking calculus. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's a but it's an interesting story because yes, he taught he taught kids who would never be given the chance to to learn calculus. Yeah, you know, in a high school or whatever. Uh, I remember watching this movie in high school and Lou Diamond Phillips. I think Lou Diamond Phillips has the line where where he's like hey chemo what is calculus you know or whatever <laughs> and, and we just went around saying that all the time and um because <laughs> because i was one of those nerdy kids who's in calculus calculus uh what is calculus um but um but that's another one yeah i mean you're we talking about teaching calculus that's yeah. the movie and but it's so much more riveting than that oh, and yeah. everything yeah. so there you go nice this was fun yeah. i cheated on all my answers i think like the first thing i thought of was the informant which no, argu- that's... arguably is about lysine and corn syrup oh it <laughs> is it is for sure <laughs> and you know it ends up being the only reason i thought it might get disqualified is that there is an fbi investigation and an informant he's wearing a wire and i think that is probably interesting to some people uh so i settled on um <laughs> they fired the glucomate guy yeah he's out of a job the glucomate guy uh i've seen this movie with Way too many yeah. times if you haven't seen the informant please <laughs> awesome. watch it it's fantastic uh, i'm gonna go with lock which is yeah. uh, basically mm-hmm. a movie about 
marital infidelity, driving, and concrete porn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. About, it's I, about the poor. And it's one yeah. of the most riveting movies <laughs> yeah. I've ever seen. It's so good. And uh, I just I wish Tom Hardy would do nothing but make movies like this where he just gets to act his ass off and single-handedly hold my attention. <laughs> Can uh, you imagine making sequels to this movie where he's just always in a fucking car? <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> they should do that just as a joke. Yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. Lock two. Like, like he, he spent like five years with the, the baby mama, and then yeah. he's like, he's like, well, before I le- before I left to go see you in the I hospital, got I got wife. my wife pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, that'd be funny. My seed knows no bounds. <laughs> All right, so we've talked about how the social network is a weird premise to base like a riveting movie, mm-hmm. which is interesting. It's another Aaron Sorkin mm-hmm. Moneyball influence. Yep. But it's it's not only about like a social networking site, but it's about like IP and well, suing lost, for that yeah. lost revenue. Mm-hmm. Yes, and the 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 building of a company and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's amazing that this movie is as riveting as it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm going to settle on the firm. Yeah, mm. the firm is about fucking tax laws, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's I guess the first big John Grisham book. Uh, that really hit like in the early 90s, late 80s. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Tom Cruise and, and all those guys and Gene Hackman uh, make it really, really riveting. This mm-hmm. is a great, great movie. A lot of fun to watch. You know, ed- edge of your seat, but it's about fucking tax laws. Yeah. Like he gets recruited as a tax attorney and like the first part of it is him studying for the bar. Yeah. And that takes fucking forever yeah. for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Um, and then, you know, the, the way that he gets himself out of this is to say that they're overbilling. Overbilling their t- evidence. Yeah. <laughs> overbilling. I mean, like he literally gets in front of the mob boss and he's like, this rampant overbilling is what's really harming the business. I'm like, okay, that's that's the resolution. But it you follow it the whole step of the way. You got the Holly Hunter character that's just like, you know, gets in all this subterfuge and all that stuff. You've got the albino. You've got, man, this is, it's a really fun movie. I but like it's about fucking tax I love that line, though, at the end, after he, do, after he does that with the mob guys, and Ed Harris comes storming into his house, and he's mad, and he's like, this is what you got. This is what you got for me. Like, overbilling and there's this i can't i don't know the verbatim quote but like tom cruise is like have you really looked at that hey there's a blah 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 and so, so many counts of blah 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 that's more than you had on capone and yeah. ed harris's face is like you could tell he's processes that for a minute but he's still going to be angry for a while anyway. yeah it's good isn't, stuff man isn't that uh i feel like that's what uh matt damon's character in the informant is talking he says Crichton novel but i think he's mixing up Crichton with grisham Oh, uh, he might be. He actually there's a shot in the movie where he's at the theater watching the firm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and he says later on, everything that happened to Tom Cruise in the firm happened to me. Yeah, but, yeah. But I think the the Crichton reference is a different. I think it's he's it's a different scene where he makes the Crichton reference. Yeah, he keeps saying that though, like it's uh like it's out of some Crichton novel, and like everything he describes is really more out of a Grisham. Mm, yeah. I don't know if he ever mentions Grisham in this whole thing, but Crichton, you know, you you think about the Crichton novels. He there's might not, have been talking about Rising not, Sun. There's not very many conspiracy no, type things in Crichton novels. Um, and so I've always found it funny that he says Crichton when I think he means Grisham all the way. <laughs> well, which would be within be, character. Yeah, I was going to say, it would be within character. Because <laughs> yeah. he's the guy that says I'm 0014. Yeah. Because like, yeah. 0014, I'm twice as smart as Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 
that'll do it for this week uh keep going to uh the uh sincast presented by cinema sins facebook page uh keep going to soundcloud we've got a twitter we've got an email there's a million, us, baby. million ways to come and talk to us after after the uh the fine program that you have just listened to <laughs> where i we may have said more dirty things than we have ever said in one episode well i'm glad i'm not alone i was sitting here thinking this might be one of the pervier episodes oh all right 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 and that's saying something yeah it is really is <laughs> yeah so if you want to if you want to sound off on that and say gosh guys you were a little bit horny in this episode <laughs> Go ahead. We can take it. We've been, we've been caught a lot worse. We're much more likely to hear sounding off about my lack of respect for cinematographers and editors. Yeah, no that's kidding. much more likely to happen. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. Um, but uh, anyway, that'll do it for this week. It's Chris Agnes and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasends.com. For some reason, I woke up with uh, "We Built This City" in my head, and I was like, "I was like, man, I haven't thought about this song in twenty years." I'm walking around, PJs singing "We Built This." What is this? That was Starship, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, <clears throat> that was the Mannequin soundtrack. Yeah, now, that is uh, the evolution of Jefferson Airplane. Yeah, yeah. I remember somebody. I remember somebody. Um, I knew was making a making his own movie, and there was a whole dialogue thing about how how Jefferson Airplane went to Jefferson Starship, and you would think that there would be some sort of evolution in the music going from an airplane <laughs> to a starship, but there there really wasn't the devolution. Yes, and then they dropped the Jefferson, right? Yeah, and it was just Starship. But back earlier than that, there that's the band that originally did the song jim carrey karaoke's and cable guy mm, yeah. yes 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 i can tell a, an immediate difference with these mics yeah. nice in it yeah yep except for barrett's he sounds like poo yeah exactly he's got the old mic say you don't know me <laughs> he don't would... recognize my face <laughs> he would have the good mic but then one of the mics is a is a bastard is a buzzy 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 yeah say you don't care who goes but you know what that's what's good about amazon you can send back anything and just say hey it's fucked up and then they'll give you a replacement it's it's usually very easy to do or if you're like me you'll buy another one because you you want it faster and then you'll forget to send back (laughs) oh i've done that (laughs) the only thing i wish they would implement is an are you drunk right now button (laughs) yeah based on because I mean, I had tweeted a couple years ago, but it was totally true that I, I woke up one morning, went down, was checking my Amazon, and I had loaded a fucking PlayStation 4 into my shopping cart and somehow managed to not click that buy now. Mm-hmm. And there are definitely some other purchases that have been made while under the influence. <laughs> and usually, I, I just, I, it would help me a lot personally if they would put like a, Jeremy, are you drunk right now? Mm-hmm. Isn't there like, sure? I'm pretty sure I read about an app you can get for your phone that double checks based on the time of day that you're not drunk dialing. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I read about something like that. It would just be a, a pretty genius. easy software implementation. The thing that kills me about Amazon, though, is that is that they'll ha- they have a buy it again button. Yeah. Like, you know, it's... <laughs>
So like it's like movies and stuff, and you're like, why would I want to buy this again? Well, they just have to look at my shopping history and go, you've bought double copies of like 20 movies in the last year, so we thought maybe we'd start offering it to you. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, I understand the uh, the need for commerce and (laughs) profit, but come on, (laughs) buy this again. What do you have there? So uh, I got this package in the mail. And I was like, oh, shit, they got the wrong person, but it's got my address on it. And fuck, what am I, you know, I don't want to go through all the bullshit or whatever. And it stayed down in my kitchen for like two days and everything. And then LaRange texted me and said, hey, there's a package that's coming in. You can go ahead and open it. And I was like, oh, okay okay so i was like oh well it looks like a i mean the it looks like a poster canister so i'm guessing it's a poster and he's like i don't know maybe (laughs) so he sent this poster and uh he's like prepare to be disappointed but it's jingle all the way Ah! (laughs) we should hang that up in his honor oh that's a terrific poster he laminated it oh my god (laughs) he fucking laminated it. oh well the pull quote is or the uh the copy is Two dads, one toy, no prisoners. That's right. That's wow. right. Wow. Sinbad has never been in as wacky a situation as he has never. been in this, in this never. movie. Even that one where he was like pretending to be a dentist? That's right. What was that one called? <laughs> oh, my House God. Guest? Oh, it was House Guest, wasn't it? Yeah. I think, yeah. Whoa, wait. Yeah? No, House Guest was Steve Martin and... No, no, that was bringing down the house. No, no, Steve Martin was also a house guest because he buys a house for Goldie Hawn. Goldie, right? Goldie Hawn. It's either house guest or house guests or something like that. Uh, the Sinbad movie, which I kind of want to say Phil Hartman was in that too. Oh, he may have been. Which is weird that they were both All in this right. jingle. I'm looking up Sinbad. It's, he's pretending to be a dentist. IMDb is like, what? It's like really? A Seriously? <laughs> Are you sure? Are you drunk right now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Buy it again. Chris. Buy it again. Um, go into the 90s. He was in Good Burger. He was in First Kid. He was in. He was in House Guest. Yeah, yeah. He was in House. I don't know if he was pretending to be a. That's a Phil dentist Hartman in that as one. well. Okay, then that's the one I'm thinking of. He's okay. pretending. I think I'm pretty sure he's pretending to be a dentist. Yeah, in he's, hot he's water like, with it, the mob over an unpaid debt, a con man poses as a family friend in an affluent Pennsylvania suburb. Yeah. That's definitely the movie I'm That's thinking That's got, of. at the beginning of that movie, Steve Martin buys the house for Goldie Hawn, and he literally puts a fucking bow, That's, like, all around. Is that, around that house, house Sitter? Movie. House Sitter. Oh, That's is that House Sitter? sitter? Woo, I'm glad we finally cleared God that up. <laughs> There's this tangled web. Well, people <laughs> listening to this section you realize, are going, like, come on, you, you idiot. Re- you realize that every one of those had house in it, though. Mm-hmm. Every one. <laughs> Thank you, LaRange. Yeah, absolutely. Laminated it. LaRange has a new album out as of... Uh, October, it's so good. It's good. Man. It's so rad. Did you download it, man? Oh, I man. have. I have been listening um, to the streaming stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah, but nice. he's still, he's gotten need. love from some serious mm-hmm. respected people mm-hmm. on that album. Yeah, it's funny. The on Facebook, I've been. Uh, I, it, well, it, once on Facebook, and then Barrett, you sent something from was it SoundCloud or uh, email or something where. Uh, we have people who have local listeners like yeah, yeah like i was beginning to wonder about that because i had not heard anything from local people about <laughs> our show yet and like you know we were talking about thoroughbred and somebody who's like oh yeah i worked at that theater and all that the and dude then, made your print of the 70 millimeter hateful eight yeah yeah and uh <laughs> and like it, it and it's funny because i'm like man that was a shitty thing and then he comes on he's like yeah it totally was <laughs> <laughs> like i wasn't just talking out of my ass you know i just 
That's the easiest way to annoy my wife is oh. if she expresses that she wants something she doesn't have or can't have, and mm-hmm. then saying you can't. Always oh get yeah! What you For a minute want. there, I was like, "I see a red door, and I want to." I was like, "What does that do?" <laughs> I fucking love that song, by the way. I, I do too. Can't always get you on. Yeah, because it's got that uh, that ending, man. It's like jubilate, jubilation. Well, you get the the choir singing, and then you got Charlie Watts, who has always been an underrated drummer in my mind. Mm-hmm. He's got that skip beat. It should just be a regular backbeat, yeah. like dun 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 dun. Mm. But he's got a dun 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 dun. Yeah. Oh, it's fucking awesome. I love that. I love talking about that kind of stuff with people who pay attention to it because <laughs> most people don't. Yeah. Like the drummer from Coldplay uh-huh. is one of my favorite bass drum drummers ever. Will Champion. Because he, he consistently, and I, it took me a long time to realize that that was what was making me enjoy a song more than others of theirs is because that it's that, uh, the, uh we, him for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Boom. <laughs> Boom. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, Boom. and it's like you could just so easily four four that shit, uh-huh. and no one would really even notice. I, I I get the impression he just likes to make it fun for himself. He does. Uh, you remember in their second album, "In My Place." You remember that that song? Yeah, that just starts off with the doom. Yeah, and then He just he fucking like kills that. Those drums. On that album, what was that album called? It was well, there was Cold Rush of Blood to the Head. There was Parachute. It was Rush of Blood to the Head. Okay, that had Clocks and In My Place and the Scientist and all that stuff. On yeah, it. Um, but yeah, the drums are enormous in that in that album. Oh man, I love it. I love it. I tried explaining that to my wife, and she's just like, "I like that you like that stuff, but I can't really tell what you're I talking know, about." Man. I know, man. Maybe they should choose a less angry band name, <laughs> <laughs> like the. The helpers, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the right. survivors. <laughs> That's right. The the uh, medical professionals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something that he- heals the healers, right. the survivors, the EMTs. The, the <laughs> <laughs> like he looks like a guy that you pee next to at the bar. Yep. <laughs> yeah, at the bar. Yes. Uh, on the bar. <laughs> on the bar. 